0: So if that sounds like fun to you, check it out on this very Voices of Wrestling podcasting network, and Liam will do bits and whatnot. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling.
1: What do you guys want to talk about? You are listening to the flagship podcast with your host, Joe Lanza.
0: They should throw sardines at these people. <laughs> the guy, the guy that said, "How, why, how is it that you're able to be so great?" <laughs> they should have thrown him a fucking sardine to catch in his mouth. And, and you know that's what they. Or, 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 here's a treat. Or, or,
1: or. Rich Crag, or there's somebody listening right now that has never listened to us before and probably will never listen again. So hello and goodbye. Uh, you should try us out though. We're pretty good. So maybe stick with us for for another hour. After an hour, if you if you don't like the vibe, hit the bricks. We don't want you anyway. And we are live on the flagship podcast. I am Rich. He is Joe. Joe, what's happening? How are you? Long time, no talk. You want to do some baseball trivia to start off the show? Baseball trivia to start off the show. Why not? Yeah, why not? It's a, it's a 2014 throwback show with the topics that we got today. Yeah, let's talk some baseball. Let's Let's do it. I'm gonna give you a baseball
0: trivia question okay
1: you're you're a baseball fan you you know you're sure baseball, yeah right? yeah less so than I was uh years ago because of the white sox have beat it out of me but yeah no 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 still still a baseball fan still enjoy the game of baseball
0: who was the last switch hitting American League MVP
1: the last switch hitting American League MVP, Wow. The
0: last switch hitter to win the American League most valuable player award. Wow. It's See, gotta,
1: you gotta na- I'm I gotta imagine we're
0: well let me help you out. National League would be easy because you'd probably eventually come up with Chipper Jones. Right, 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 right.
1: Or 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 Pete Rose or whatever.
0: American League.
1: Yeah, it gets a little tougher. Um my initial First thought was, and I forget if this guy was actually a switch hitter. I'm between two guys. Can I give you two guys, and you can let me know if I'm yeah if, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat and give you two guys. I know Eddie Murray at some point had to win an MVP, right?
0: Eddie Murray. Who's your other guy?
1: My other guy was Roberto Alomar, but I forget if Roberto Alomar was a switch hitter or if you wanted. I think he won an MVP, right? Am, am I making that up or no? That Roberto Alomar won an MVP.
0: Well, I can tell you that shockingly eddie murray never won an mvp what
1: okay top that's five that's shit. that's shit that's bullshit
0: top five five times oh. runner up twice and he did win a rookie of the year but eddie
1: murray eddie never murray, won an mvp wow
0: okay and that is one hell of a guess because anytime there's a switch hitter question you may as well throw Eddie Murray out
1: there. Yeah, exactly. As I did right here. Cause <laughs> it's like, and, and nobody's like that good at doing it anymore. I, I think is, is kind of the setup here. Potentially maybe somebody this year is, and that's the setup here, but yeah, like Eddie Murray is like always one that people bring up of like, yeah, they don't make them like Eddie Murray anymore. And then there's, you know, a clip of him hitting from both sides of the plate and, and with great power and, and yeah, and longevity too, that, that Eddie Murray did it. So yeah, he, he was the first person that came to my mind of guy that I definitely know is recent ish, recent it, it, it like, he retired in 1998 or whatever, but that's recent enough that probably was an MVP, but now I'm learning that somehow he was never an MVP, which is absolutely wild.
0: Roberto Alomar was indeed a switch hitter.
1: He never won MVP though, never,
0: never an MVP. He was a AL championship series MVP. He was an all-star game MVP.
1: Did he win a world series MVP or something? Did I maybe miss mix that up?
0: AL championship series MVP.
1: Okay. Just that.
0: So um, the answer, and this is a, this is a great uh bar trivia question because it's sort of a trick question. The answer is Vita Blue. Who
1: Vita passed Blue. Away.
0: That's right, who uh passed away two days ago yeah. at the mm-hmm. age of seventy three. But uh Vita Blue, of course, was a pitcher, so nobody would think of him oh, as being a switcher.
1: Dirty. You did me dirty here. I was it, 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 then I was like, is it all the way to Mickey Mantle? Is that the is that what like you're trying to tell
0: me? It's like, it's been this uh, long. Mickey Mantle was the last to do it. If you don't count Vita Blue, I do believe it's Mickey Mantle. You probably have to go all the way back the to Mickey, right? For, you go back to Mickey if he won one more. Yeah, don't fucking than, tell me
1: that he didn't win an MVP. I know he won a goddamn MVP. You better have.
0: Uh yes he did. Mickey yeah, Mantle yeah. uh
1: definitively won an MVP.
0: A surefire uh M- MVP winner. Uh although the famous prank call to Mike Francesa uh disputed that Mickey Mantle ever won a triple crown because how could he win a triple crown, Mike? He isn't a horse. But uh <laughs> Which
1: I'm sure I'm
0: sure he Mike took in stride. Well. Yeah, I'm sure he took that in stride
1: and <laughs> laughed it off and just went to, you know, moved on with his life, but
0: uh, but yeah the answer is vita blue who won the mvp as a pitcher and the cy young in 1971 24 and 8 1.82 era led the league with eight shutouts uh had a whip under one so a uh, well-deserved cy young and mvp for vita blue in 1971 who passes away at the age of 73 on uh, may 6th so actually it was about almost a week ago now at this point but um uh, He's always the answer to that trick question, trivia question that you can get people with, um, especially if you're betting the money. You know. Yeah, I'm going to have to keep that of-
1: one. Yeah, I'm going to have to keep that one in the holster there because that's good. That's good. I-, I could see that starting a fight, though. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, that's kind of tricky. But if there's money on the line, a little bit of, uh, you know, a little liquor involved, I could see people getting a little upset by that because it's, a- it's a trick question. It's a trick. You know what I mean? Like, you- you're... Your answer is a pitcher, yeah. but I, I it's not wrong, but I, I get it. It's not yeah, wrong. It's, it's not right. wrong. Did he because I know he played for the Giants later in his career. Is that when he did the, the switch hitting or are you going back to like he could do it in the minors or whatever? Did he actually switch hit in the majors?
0: no he he took uh six hundred and eighteen at bats in the major leagues as a switcher.
1: Wow. That's pretty cool because he did that like later in his career too. If, you, if for those that don't know about Vita Blue, which I'm assuming is most of you listening that you know, he was an Oakland Athletic first and foremost, and I think everybody probably remembers him from the the A's. But then he had a second leg of his career with the Giants. He just went across the Bay. Uh, over to the Giants I I think he briefly was with the Royals somewhere Royals yeah I think it was the Royals that he was he was there for a little while but uh, I know that was like the last half of his career that he was a giant so that's kind of uh, that's kind of wild that he was like eh, I could switch it too like that you think you wouldn't like add that to your repertoire as as you know in your 30s or whatever but good for him
0: nah he uh he broke in before the DH in 1969 with Oakland he was drafted in '67 by the Kansas City A's, but he never—they—they they moved to Oakland before he ever got to the majors. So he played in the American League before the DH for a few years too. So he's got plenty of about. Oh, in the okay,
1: okay, all right, that makes
0: sense then. So in '71, in you know, the DH came in in '72, I think, or '73 was the first year of the DH. '73. So that year he won the MVP. He, he, you know he. He here. I got his. I yeah. His what was it, what was he batting that year? Was
1: it was he a worthy MVP a candidate? Yeah. Terrible as, as most pitchers are.
0: Nice terrible hitter, but he he had 121 plate appearances. So you know that was pre DH. He hit 118. So no.
1: Uh, but to, what was his? Switcher. Don't tell me what his bad. What did what was his on base though, Joe? It's about it's about <laughs> avoiding outs, Joe. Not not getting hits. It's well, about avoiding outs. Know, he did.
0: He did. He did draw four walks that so, year. For so a go, uh, give the man his credit. All right. See. For, for a 167 on base <laughs> Right, percentage. it's about so, avoiding
1: outs, not about um, getting hit. So, there you go. Kept you know, you the clock moving, kept the clock moving.
0: You mentioned he went to San Francisco later in his career. Um, there's an interesting story behind that because, um, uh, he and we, I, we're going to get to wrestling, I promise. But he, uh, when the Oakland dynasty fell apart in the late 70s, uh, you know, Reggie Jackson. Uh, went to the Baltimore Orioles, and then the next year they lost a bunch of free agents: Sal Bando and Gene Tennis and Raleigh Fingers, and uh, Charlie Finley. He knew it was falling apart. He was attempting to sell off his players, and the commissioner had to keep stepping in to stop him from selling off the players for the you know co- you know for the for the competitive balance of the game and all those sorts of things. So he tried to sell Vita Blue during the 77 season and the, the, the commissioner reneged it. So in the offseason, the, the 77 offseason, the A's traded Vita Blue to the Cincinnati Reds. OK, for a minor league first baseman who wasn't a real prospect at all and a gigantic lump sum of money. And the trade sat and lasted long enough for Vita Blue to end up in the Reds media guide for the 1978 season. But then again, the commissioner stepped in and he sent Vita blue back to the A's. And then they had to rework another trade this time with the giants. And he got traded, I believe for seven men, which to this day is the all time record in terms of a trade for one player. He got traded for seven players to the San Francisco giants, but he could have been a red. And the thing about that is in 77, the reds won the world series in 75 and 76 with the big red machine. Right. Right. In 77, those teams were built around, obviously, one of the greatest lineups in the history of baseball and an awesome bullpen. Pedro Barbone, Clay Carroll... Uh, uh, Raleigh Eastwick, people like that, but their starting pitchers were always. You're a big baseball fan. Can you name a starting pitcher from the Big Red Machine? You uh, probably no. can't. No,
1: you can you can rail right. off you know all uh, most but members can, of the Big you, Red Machine, but I couldn't tell you right. one of their fucking pitchers. No,
0: you could probably run off the whole lineup, but you can't name a starting pitcher. They're they're kind of so like the Cle-
1: seven- you know the, the the Indians of the of the mid '90s or whatever. You know the 1995 Cleveland. You, you know you can get Manny and Tome and and Roberto Alley, and all these guys, but then like yeah, it's like Charles Nagy, and then I forget who else. You know? I mean, it really yeah. kind of falls off a cliff there.
0: So, a, a, even a big baseball fan like you is going to struggle to come up with, like, you know, Fred Norman, Don Gullett, people like that. So, in 77, the Reds swing a trade for Tom Seaver. Okay. They bring Seaver in in 77. He has a great year. They missed the playoffs. They trade for Vita Blue in the offseason. Man, they're going to stack the top of that rotation with Tom Seaver and Vita Blue. Sounds with good. That line, you know. Now, listen, Tony Perez was gone by then because they, they traded Tony Perez away because they replaced him with Dan Dreesen, who was a big prospect at the time, never quite lived up, but uh, but the, the rest of the lineup was still there, and you had Tom Seaver and Vita Blue, but then they had to send Vita Blue back to the A's, and then they missed the playoffs by two and a half games. A lot of Reds fans to this day are bitter that that trade got annulled by the commissioner because they think they would have won the division that year in '78. And then who knows what happens in 79 and 80 because Vita Blue was 28 years old at the time of that trade. And Tom Seaver was still you know, in the middle of his prime. So uh, that is a sore spot for Reds fans because they could have finally had a top of a rotation uh, that kicks some ass to go along with that disgustingly great uh, Big Red Machine lineup. So uh, I only bring that up because you brought up that Vita Blue, you know, spent the back half of his career with the Giants, but only because... That trade with the Reds was disallowed. So who knows what could have happened. They could have won a couple more World Series. But uh, didn't work out. That yeah, way.
1: it was kind of a whirlwind. That that the late seventies in baseball was kind of a whirlwind of like the commissioner stepping in and stopping trades and stopping free agent signings and kind of manipulating the league a little bit more than you would probably want a commissioner to do. And I, I know some of the ones that he did, you know, some were you know defended and 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 considered like ah that was probably the good move. But yeah, a lot of other ones were uh, were, were pretty tough uh, to, to swallow. But uh, I guess to one be
0: fair Char- To be fair, though, Charlie Finley was nuts. Yeah, of the A's. I mean, he did. Just- He he wasn't even attempting to make, you know, any kind of competitive trades. He just wanted to sell all these players, right? Man, well, thank God. Sums of money.
1: Well, you know what? Good thing things have changed in Oakland, (laughs) and now they have good ownership that would (laughs) never do such a thing. Trade all their best players and tank as much as possible to potentially move the team. Thank God. Never again. Once Charlie Finley was gone uh, and moved away uh, from the ownership of the Oakland A's, it has been just just smooth sailing ever since then. Uh, no idea of them moving, no selling off players for the the pennies on the dollar. Uh, fantastic. So glad to see uh, the stability has finally been brought to the uh, the Oakland Athletics. But yeah, no, he he was he was pretty wild. There was a few like free agent signings where he was just like, nah, it's nah, I don't want that team to get that guy. And it's like, hold on a minute. <laughs> I don't know how many of these can you change. <laughs> like, uh, who, who's 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 our commissioner at this time? You said his name a little bit earlier.
0: Uh, Bowie, uh, right? Who, Bowie Bowie I Coon, I think been, is, is would that the, have been Bowie Kuhn. I think it would have been I Bowie Kuhn. He think was the so. commissioner from um let's see. Yeah, he, he took over in sixty nine, from sixty nine to eighty four. So it was it was Bowie Kuhn. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He he had so. uh, a lot of he had a rough, rough go of it for a lot of a lot of his run did not go go great. Yeah, he had uh a lot of stuff. The '70s not a great time to be a a, a a sports commissioner either. But yeah, he didn't make things any easier. But nobody came here. Well,
0: they had the well baseball. Well, look another Vita Blue tie-in. Baseball had their cocaine scan. Yes, and Vita Blue was one of the guys. that got guys. suspended for it. Yeah, year.
1: one of the central guys from it. A lot of gambling controversies in the early '70s. Free agency in the early '70s, and then obviously the cocaine and drug, you know, situations in in the in the mid to late '70s. So yeah, not a great run for uh. And uh, one
0: of the and one of the ugliest work stoppages ever in '81.
1: Yes. Oh, yeah, I forgot. I saw uh, that one. Yes.
0: And a work stoppage in 72. So he had two work stoppages, the cocaine scandal, uh, gambling controversies. So, yeah, uh, he he had a rough. His problem.
1: owners literally but, just uh, selling off play. If, if they weren't colluding, they were literally just selling players for pennies on the dollar. Yeah, not great. Uh, not great. But yeah,
0: yeah, that that uh, that trade to the Giants. I mean, the Giants got seven players back from Vita Blue and not a single one of them amounted to anything. Um, which ended up being a terrible trade, but they also got $300,000, the A's, in that deal. So, um, you know, uh, good for them. <laughs> Charlie, so got Charlie O got new-
1: to cut a check. Yeah, that's good for him, yeah.
0: Seven useless players and $300,000. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking at this list. I've never even heard. Well, I've only heard of one of these players.
1: I, I, yeah, I just looked at it, too, and I don't back. know who any of those guys are. So <laughs> I'm just going to.
0: The only guy I'm familiar with is John Henry Johnson because, you know, he had a career of decent length and pitched into the late 80s um but the rest of these guys i i'm not familiar with but uh yeah anyway there's a little uh little vita blue yeah exactly what you show. came
1: here exactly what you came here for some vita blue discussion Tri- vita blue trivia and then a lengthy discussion about 1970s mlb labor stoppages As i know so many people were excited <laughs> to hear about is is <laughs>
0: you know uh charlie finley repeatedly offered Vita blue enormous sums of money to change his first name to true true blue I, I don't know Ask okay. Charlie Finley that's Ask Charlie Finley all right there you go so uh true he's a weird blue. guy yeah you know? I don't
1: know he must have owned he probably owns some company that had that as their slogan or something like that he was he was he was a mover and a shaker he, they, they don't make him like Charlie Finley anymore I'll tell you that that that's an old school just school Scuzzy business guy. That yeah, you just don't get those. Well, I guess you kind of. I those mean, guys.
0: Vita Blue is a cool name to begin. Vita with. Blue is like, a, a v- definitively
1: v- cool name. Yeah, changing Vita Blue to anything else is is a uh, a travesty. They, Oakland Ace Team had a lot of fun uh names and characters. Man, that that's why is there, I, there hasn't been like a documentary about oh, those well, guys I mean, yet. Ace
0: Team, uh, you know, Vita Blue, Catfish Hunter, Raleigh Fingers, Reggie Jackson, Sal Bando, Gene Tennis. I mean, they they had. Uh, Yeah, just a bunch of characters on that team, you know, and then, and then they had Herb Washington, the designated pinch runner, <laughs> the the designated
1: pinch runner who's yeah, is incredible.
0: Well, people don't know the guy was a, a world class sprinter. So Charlie Finley's idea was, well, this guy can just steal bases anytime he wants. So he doesn't need to learn how to play the field or hit. We'll just sign him and use him as a pinch runner. And uh, that was the Herb Washington experiment, which lasted about two seasons and uh, didn't work out. Because Did was not work on great. Stealing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's more than just straight speed. I mean, you have to, you know, read the picture. There's, in, you know, there's, there's base running instincts and all those things. But, uh, you know, that, yeah, th- those teams were, uh, and, and they were good. They, they you know, they were Real good. perennial World Series contenders and three-time, I think they won three World Series, right? Three, yeah.
1: Yeah, they um, won
0: three. During that time, the early 70s. Yeah, and then. You know, Then the Reds took over in the mid 70s, and then you know, um, you know, so yeah, there, there was a, it was an era of, and then the Yankees with the you know, the uh, in, in the late 70s, uh, with their rivalry with the Dodgers. So yeah, the 70s were a fun time for baseball, but a lot, lot of controversies and whatnot. But
1: Blue uh, Moon Odom, too, also on the Oakland Athletics with a great name, yeah, so just great, yeah, yeah cool, yeah. cool as fuck team, mustaches, cool uniforms. All of them on Coke, probably. <laughs> That's fine. It, it oh, was yeah. good. Yeah, a hell of a time oh, to yeah. be a baseball fan. They're in the Bay Area. Uh, I'm sure they were all on on substances plenty, but yeah, for sure. Good, fun team. But it needs to be a documentary uh, about that team because some of the, those guys are going to start dying, as we've seen with Vita Blue. So yeah, it's probably time if... if uh, I don't know how much interest there is in a uh, 1970s Oakland Athletics documentary, but... Uh, uh, that'd probably. be super
0: interesting. I'd i mean, love it. Yeah, I'd love
1: it. But yeah, I don't know.
0: Just the owner alone was a psychopath, so... You know, and they were winners, and they had a bunch of characters. Yeah, you know, so, yeah.
1: instead of winning time, let's just do Oakland, the 70s Oakland Athletics. Yeah, it's you don't know, have Magic Johnson. You know, the sexiness of Magic Johnson or whatever, but come on. <laughs> There's a lot of stories to be told about those 70s A's. But anyway, yes, we are going to get to professional wrestling. A lot to get to uh, today. This is – man, I, I don't know what year this is. This show looks like a 2014 flagship here. Am I look, Am I seeing this right? We're going to talk Dragon Gate, Shataro Ashino's like – disappointment heartbreak slash champion carnival slash we're getting big b we're doing strong bj too we're talking big japan am i am i reading this right what i'm seeing on this run sheet here big japan shatara Washino, and dragon gate
0: that's uh, all correct. All big shows. Wow, right.
1: <laughs> it's is incredible. I love it. It's a throwback here. Uh, I didn't even prepare the music. I don't even think because I don't even think these are bounces. Like these are full on segments. Like people were like, "Oh, good bouncing around Japan." I'm like, I don't, I don't think so. These are no, no,
0: no. We're not. These bouncing. are full ass
1: segments, man. I don't. <laughs> we're not bouncing. This is old school, man. This is 2014 stuff. Uh, we'll also review uh, WWE's Backlash. That was a uh, show uh, that occurred from Puerto Rico uh, this weekend. So we'll talk about that. Uh, A little bit about the all-in Wembley weekend starting to come together with a few shows being announced and a few things being rumbled about. And then, of course, the uh, AEW rumored TV deal, which we touched on a little bit last night on Instant Reaction Live. If you did not listen, we did an Instant Reaction Live for last night's episode of Dynamite, a very newsworthy episode of Dynamite, a very, okay, Dynamite is back type of you know, as you said at the top, now that is an episode of AEW Dynamite, and yeah, hell of a show. We went about two hours last night live uh, with its reaction live. You can listen to that at flagshippatreon.com uh, in the ten dollar tier. And we discussed a lot of what we had heard about the the rumored AEW TV deal. Nothing reported, nothing official, nothing that we were like, yeah, here's what the, it is. But all we were saying is what we knew. Or what we know what is being rumored, if that makes sense. Like we we know what is being kind of bandied about by various people and discussed by various people. Whether that's the actual numbers, whether that's what's actually been signed, nobody knows that right now. Nobody has any idea. But you know, we dug into that a little bit and dug into a little bit more of you know what that means for AEW, what it means for the world of wrestling. And uh, I don't know if you had any other thoughts about that. But obviously, we did almost an hour of it yesterday for that instant reaction live. But uh, anything else that you wanted to kind of discuss with the with the AEW TV deal and obviously the announcement that everybody knows. This part of the announcement that collision is happening Saturdays, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, uh, AEW getting a brand new show every single Saturday. We know everybody seems to know that. That's not even really a secret at this point. It seems fairly obvious. But, um, yeah, as far as the the, the TV deal or, or anything else with the AEW business, anything you wanted to uh, to add that we did not get to last night?
0: Well, what's new information since we did our show last night, which everybody who's on the $10 tier should go listen to that. And if you're not on the $10, $10 tier, you should get on it or uh, upgrade from the five, because uh, we also talked about, we had some information, um, we, the feel from inside the locker room from that I gathered from people that I talked to regarding the new show on Saturday and CM Punk coming back from the company. And we're not gonna talk about any of that stuff here today, but because we did that last night on the Instant Reaction Live. So there's some insight from the locker room regarding those topics. And then I think we did about an hour on the potential new television deal and all yeah. that, and uh, a very in-depth conversation that went in many different directions that I think everybody would really like. So that's in the ten-dollar tier right now, plus the dynamite review of what was, you know, one of the probably one of the top ten dynamites of all time. Um, what's new since we last talked about this was Dave Meltzer did in fact get it confirmed that they do in fact have a new television deal um, because through all the hysteria over the last 48 hours, it was never really confirmed by anyone that there was in fact a new deal uh, until Dave confirmed that on his audio that he did in the wee hours uh, this morning. So uh, we know there's a new deal. We know the upfronts are on Wednesday. We know that Tony Khan has a bunch of announcements to make on Wednesday and uh, that they're probably going to announce the new show. They might announce the return of CM Punk. It does seem like bringing back Miro and Thunder Rosa and Tony talking about all of these wrestlers who are jockeying the, for TV time and seems to be a setup for the announcement that CM Punk is coming back. Right. So that could be part of this uh, uh, series of announcements on Wednesdays. Um, they they may even, you know, the way Tony does things, he may announce that they have a new TV deal. I doubt they're going to get into the nitty gritty of the numbers and all of that on television, But it wouldn't surprise me at all if he if he came on TV and announced that, you know, they're locked in for four or five, six years, whatever the deal is and and makes that part of the announcement as well. So next Wednesday is going to be real exciting. And then the show that we do next Thursday, obviously, we're going to have a ton to talk about because all this stuff's going to be official and concrete and all of that. But uh, we do know now for sure that there, you know, that there is a new deal. And um, yeah, you know, as we talked about last night, I mean, you know, there was, uh, th- there's been rumors and rumblings of what the deal is, and um, I kind of broke the seal on what those rumors were that were being discussed, you know, on whatever you want to call it, uh, dark Twitter or or among uh reporters who just uh you know were eyeball to emoji. It or whatever <laughs> called, Eye eyeball emojis eyeball and everything emoji Twitter, else yeah where people just go oh, mm, ah yeah just inter- interesting which, news <laughs> it's like all right what what are we doing here which yeah which caused confusion for about an hour or so because people thought that I was reporting hard news when you know in reality it was just me exposing what sort of these underground rumors were. Uh, because I don't know anything. They're not, they're not talking. I mean, you know, Dave Meltzer has been stonewalled. Sean Ross Sapp says he's been stonewalled. Brandon Thurston put out a news report today. He says he reached out to AEW and Warner Brothers Discovery and he was stonewalled. The other night I tried to poke around and get some answers stonewalled. So neither side is talking. If anyone says they know this, what the deal is and they don't work, and they're not like one of two or three people, <laughs> right? A higher that work up in Turner. AEW, yeah, or okay? or a higher up in, uh, or, in
1: Warner Brothers, or yeah.
0: someone with Warner Brothers. They're lying. They're lying. No one else knows the the, the details of this deal, and they're not going to reveal it. That's all going to be revealed in uh, in six days. But uh, the rumored number that was going around and uh, was uh, five years and between one point one and one point two million dollars. And again, that was just a rumor that was going around. And now, I, you know, I. I last night i wasn't sure but now you know ryan frederick has gone public i mean he posted it on the figure four board so it's not even a secret where the rumor emanated from now at this point um he's now claiming that was a prediction you know based on some information that he had gathered and andrew zarian came out and put his hands up and said hey look i don't know the details i just know that there's a a, a deal that's been discussed so basically um You know, I I don't mean to pat myself on the back, but I basically saved everybody three more days of eyeball emojis and Scrooge McDuck diving into coin fucking gifts. okay? (laughs) Okay, by just breaking it because I got fed up and I'm like, well, you know what? We got tipped off to what the rumor is. I'm just going to say it, you know, just say it. You know, and and I did. And now, you know, and then everybody else who was passing this thing around, you know, finally came out and acknowledged, you know, what the rumor was. That was uh, but but who knows? Uh, Look, we do know this. Let's say it's 1.2 billion over five years, that would work out to about uh, 240 million dollars a year. You know, doing the math off the top of my head. I'm not going to ask Rich to do the math. Off Please the top do not. Of his head. Please that's do not. I was told disaster. there'd be no
1: math, so don't do that.
0: So, you know, raw the current raw deal is 265 million dollars a year. The current SmackDown deal is 205 million dollars a year because remember that's a two-hour show versus a three-hour show. Okay, the current AEW deal for Dynamite and Rampage uh is about 44 45 million dollars a year. So this deal if the rumored numbers are to be believed, okay, would put them in the neighborhood of about what the WWE is getting for for their programming which um actually kind of makes sense. I mean, you know, it's it's because WWE's next deal is going to far exceed their last deal and it's going to crush whatever this AEW deal is, okay? But AEW's adding two more hours of programming. So this is five total hours of programming that Warner Brothers Discovery would be paying for because Rampage isn't going anywhere. They're also going to have to pay a premium for the exclusivity. And we've already seen the YouTube shows have been yanked off the air, right? Uh, You're also talking uh, an all-encompassing deal. There's talk that any AEW programming, footage, whatnot, is going to belong to Warner Brothers Discovery. So there's a lot of rumors that the pay-per-views might be moving to one of, you know, Warner Brothers Discovery's properties, whether it's their streaming service or, you know, whatever, you know, this new Max, whatever. Uh, so if, if that is the case, and this is an all-encompassing deal, which gives them exclusive rights to all things AEW, I don't know if you know, $1 billion is all that outlandish of a deal. I really don't
1: No, It's a um, lot of, a lot of content. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about the five hours of television. You're talking about the potential for pay-per-views to be on, on max or, or, you know, exclusively to be live or whatever, which that'd be a, but I mean, hell, if they're paying the money, you, you, you do whatever they, they you know, <laughs> you get that lump sum from them or whatever. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, I mean, they are, they are giving up. A lot as well in this. If that is truly the case, that, you know, it, it, with with the rumors and the all encompassing rumors and all that sort of stuff, like, yeah, they, they're they giving up a lot of pay per view revenue as well to then just kind of take one lump sum to go onto whatever turn of property it, it, it may be, if that is indeed part of the deal. But like you said, just in general, they're adding another two hours of television. They're adding, uh, and we touched on a little bit on the Instagram Action Live uh, last night that. You know now it, there's also a different sell job that you have to do to the roster and the, and the talent in AEW because when when aw started it was we're the light schedule you know what i mean we're the hey come on in on wednesdays and then go do whatever the hell you want the rest of the weeks and hey every quarter we have a pay-per-view but it's not every single so you know what you could work a wednesday and and go hang out with your family for every other day of the week you know go go wherever you, all we need you here is here on wednesdays and then occasionally you need to be here on a sunday or a saturday or whatever and yeah then there's obviously caveats of okay yeah we need you here for dark or whatever okay okay Okay. then you added rampage and it's like all right well now we need some of you here sometime well no we'll just you know we'll tape them after uh, a dynamite so we just need you here for you know stick around or whatever a little bit long okay all right and now we have the inclusion of you know house shows with the house rules like well actually yeah if, if somebody can hang around on on some certain saturdays that you know that'd be good and now we're having full-on okay now i need you guys to actually be here on saturdays as well so it's like now we're th- this this cushy schedule that once was you know a, a great selling point for AEW to say hey look you can go over there and do house shows and you have to be at every single tv on every single monday or every single friday and you, you got to work house shows during the week and you got to be there for weekly monthly pay-per-views or whatever that's all kind of turned on its head now with AEW, and they don't necessarily have that same sort of bargaining chip to tell the you know to, to prospective talents or or people when they're in negotiations with tv deals that hey you know what hey this is a little less money but think about all the off time you have think about the ability that that, that you have to be you know to do indies, if you want to go, you know, go here, go there. You know, we we don't need you. We only need you once a week and 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 once a quarter for sure for a pay per view. That that's not the case anymore with this other show, and and that is going to be a bit of a change as well. So yeah, if you're going to have that happen too, you're going to need to pay up a little bit. Tony Khan isn't just going to say, yeah, sure, that's great. Well, my guys will work an additional day every single week. They don't care. Like, I mean, <laughs> you got to up the ante and it's going to cost him a little bit more in terms of contract negotiations and, and whatnot moving forward too. because yeah, th- this, this once great, you know, advantage that AEW had to, to talent of, of being a light schedule is pretty much gone at this point.
0: They, st- they still have a slight edge there. Because a slight edge. Th- th- they're, they're probably only going to run a half a dozen house shows this year in total. Um, you know, maybe 10 tops, Uh, You you do have the two days of TV, though, which is exactly the same as WWE, but the house show schedule is a little lighter. They run five pay-per-views versus, you know, 12 or 13 pay-per-views. So they have a slight edge in terms of schedule. Uh, and, And that's mostly coming from the amount of house shows that WWE is running versus the amount that AEW is running. So it certainly isn't the early selling point of, Hey, look, you're going to work Wednesdays and you're going to work 4 pay-per-views a year. Like that, that's out the window, you know, with all of this, but you know, just to, just, just to show people, uh, Brandon Thurston, uh, did some math just based on the, uh, uh dollar per viewer hour, uh, that the current deals are paying out to, to these companies and then estimating for the additional two hours of content a week that Warner brothers discovery would be getting for this deal. And, you know, he had to estimate the viewership and he put it at uh, a 0.15 for the Saturday show, which I think is a conservative estimate. I don't think it'll be drastically higher though. Cause that's going to be a tricky time slot, but just for the point of the exercise, that's what he put it at. Uh, and he comes up with for a five year deal, strictly for the television for the five hours of television a week 875 million dollars which would come out to uh 170 about 175 million dollars a year but again that's strictly for the tv hours if mac if they're gonna hand over the pay-per-view rights to max that would have to be factored in if you'd have to um maybe factor in the the uh the the content library in some form um, you know, so there's other considerations too, that would increase that, that, uh, that the, the overall value of the deal, you know, all the things we talked about earlier. So, as I said, even if they don't get the billion, they're probably going to get something close. I mean, that that's going to be in the neighborhood of, of what they're going to get, you know, strictly based on, you know, the dollar figure per viewer hour that these deals are already bringing in. So, Again, that's why I don't think it's necessarily outlandish to think that if it is a five-year deal, that they can get something in the billion dollar range. You know, give or take a hundred million here or there, you know, which sounds pretty flippant to just say, ah, eh, give or take a hundred million. <laughs> give or take, yeah, give or take a you know, hundred mil. But, but we're
1: talking big business here, man. You know?
0: Either way, this is a game changer of a deal. Yeah. This this instantly makes them solvent. If there was any doubt to that. Um, you know, uh, because no one really knows whether they're making money, losing money, how much money they're making, how much money they're losing. We can only guess, uh, you know, there's, there's too many unknowns. We don't know the value of some of their international television deals. We don't know the value of their sponsorships. Uh, we don't know what their payroll is. We don't, they're not a publicly traded company. There's just, we can estimate things, but there's so many unknowns. There's so many variables, but, um, you know, we talked about last night, that look in Tony's eye. You know, when he made that announcement, he knows he's got a fucking truckload of money coming and this is a game changer for his company in the same way that that first huge media rights deal for WWE was a huge game changer for them. I mean, it changes everything. It it affords you so many more luxuries in terms of there's just less pressure on the booking. Just start there when the money becomes guaranteed at those levels, you know, and, and, you know, it, it takes a lot of stress off of you from that standpoint. Um, it affords you a lot of luxuries you didn't have when you're only getting 44 million a year from your media rights deal. Uh, so, um, you know, when you're talking about triple or quadrupling what you were getting, so, uh, yeah, this is a really big deal. And, you know, we're going to find out Wednesday where all of this lands, because I, I figured by then, you know, someone's going to have the scoop on what the deal is. You know whether they flat out announce. I guess they have to announce it, right? Warner Brothers Discovery has to announce. I think they would have
1: to. Like again, I don't the dollar figures aspect of it. They might not, but I don't see any reason why they wouldn't. Because it's not like you know when ESPN signs up the NBA, they don't just say we've signed the NBA for seven years. All right, that's it. It's like you know what I mean. Like people know the dollar figure right away. Uh, Now it's obviously a little bit different with some different you know companies and 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 you know leagues being involved. But I don't see any reason why they wouldn't. Announce it. I mean, I, I I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I don't see any reason why we wouldn't get that dollar figure, or at least somebody get that dollar figure by the time you know, by the time this show rolls around next week, we will hopefully. I, well, I would assume we'll bitch, we will know that dollar figure.
0: Well, they're a publicly traded company.
1: Right, right. That's why. Well, that's what I mean. Like, they would have to disclose. But I don't know if like in this. You might know better, like in you know, upfronts, so you have to disclose that stuff or can you just kind of say, ah, hey, this is what Wait we're doing a
0: quarterly report or. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like, you know yeah, what I mean? Like I, they I
1: don't I don't know if they have to say the number, but they're going to like they're going to. There's no reason for them not to or at the very least, someone's going to get the scoop and someone's going to know that number, too. So it, it, it's yeah, it's going to happen. Well, but i going to come out by this time next week. We'll know we'll, we're, we're going to know collision. We're gonna know what the TV deal is, and God only knows what other stuffs we're gonna know about <laughs> about AEW and the roster and, and whatnot.
0: And put it put it this way: unless Warner Brothers Discovery is telling Tony Khan not to disclose it, he's gonna want to tell people the number. So <laughs> yeah. you're gonna find the number out because why wouldn't he want that out there if it's if it's uh, as huge as everybody seems to think it's going to be? But uh, look, you know, the other thing here is. You know, the goalposts are going to have to be moved again, you know, because now AW is now an unmitigated, without a shadow of a doubt, inarguable, massive success. Four years into their business to secure a deal of this magnitude. It took WWE, what? How long did it take Vince McMahon? 35 years to secure a deal of this magnitude or something like that? Um, You know, four years in and... It's uh, this is a company that a lot of people thought wouldn't last six months, almost didn't because of the pandemic. And if they hadn't gotten that first rewritten TV deal before the pandemic, they'd probably be dead. Uh, but a lot of people thought they'd last six months. Then it was you know it, wherever the goalposts were moved, they're gonna have to be moved again. And I don't know like where do you shift the goalposts now? You know where where do the um, Eric Bischoffs and the Vince Russos and the Jim Cornets where do they move the goalposts, Rich? I, I don't know where you move them at this point. They're about to put at least 65, 70,000 people into one of the biggest stadiums in the world. They've just secured a game-changing television deal, which at worst is going to be the second biggest media rights deal in the history of professional wrestling. Um, you know, they're, they're the most successful pay-per-view operation that pro wrestling has seen since the early 2000s. Where do you turn? If you, to to move the goalpost now, can it even be done? We know they're going to try. Don't try. The oh, end?
1: they will, and they're probably cooking them up right now. But uh, you're kind of running out of all of them. You're, you're really running out of them. Walter in the No Dope chat room brings up another good one. You know, the early Eric Bischoff one was, you know, it's 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 it's, it's a marathon and not a sprint. You got to, you know, think of the long term of your company. And it's like, okay, well, now they've signed a, you know, another long term deal. They've been around for four plus years at this point. Like. Okay, that's gone. You can't use that one anymore. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're going to be scratching and clawing to figure it out. They'll probably just harp on like Tony's behavior on Twitter or something. I, I guess something like that. Or, like you said, I, I think all they're going to have to do is wait until WWE signs their TV deal and it's four times or five times or whatever what AEW is getting. And then they'll be, all oh, they can't compete in the marketplace for talent. How are they going to compete in the marketplace for talent when WWE can offer so much more money or whatever? But as you know, we-
0: in totality, in totality, It could be four times. Um, Yeah, you're right. It'll in totality, it'll probably be about three or four times the size, right? Because WWE is going to get a massive raise. And the Raw deal alone will match or exceed or is going is already matches or exceeds what AEW is going to get. So the new Raw deal is going to be more than that. The new SmackDown deal, you know, they, they could potentially double both of those deals and then in a year, the peacock thing comes up. So you're right. Yeah, I, I four or five times sounded outlandish to me in my brain, but I, I think that's going to be pretty close to accurate.
1: Right, especially with the new leadership and 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 whatnot, and and potential yeah. for coupling it with UFC and coupling it with you know you know that what that company can offer as well. I mean, we're we're talking. It's a different company at this point. Like the idea that they're not going to be paying, you know, three or four times simply, but there, there's going to be other aspects to it. It's a different, totally different. Co- but like we talked about yesterday on the Instagram Live, like we don't know how WWE is going to operate. So that idea that like, oh, they're going to get so much more money, so they can definitely operate, uh, you know, and and get the free agents and do all this work, We don't know that yet. We don't know. They're they're rumored to be in a hiring freeze right now, and we don't know what's going to happen with the WWE business. Again, we, we did a lengthy discussion about it yesterday on on Instant Reaction Live, so I want to do it again. But yeah, the idea that we're just kind of under the assumption that WWE Business is going to operate exactly how it's operated for the last, you know, 50 years under Vince McMahon. Like, uh, we don't know if that's the case. Like, we well, really listen, don't know. Let's
0: say, let's say AW gets the 175 that Brandon Thurston is estimating without factoring in pay-per-view and video library and all of those things. Let's say they just get the 175. That's a four-time increase from 44, 45 million. So just so people understand, if if Raw gets a four-time increase. That's a billion dollars per year. Do I think they're going to get that? Probably not, but that's just to show you the scale of of, you know, the, the, what the next WWE deal is going to look like cuz they're going to get a massive raise. So, Uh, even Brandon Thurston's estimate, which is a little lower than the rumored estimate that's going around, is a four time increase (laughs) for AEW to give them what to give them the 875. And for people who are wondering, well, why would you give up the pay per view revenue and fold that into the deal? No, why wouldn't you? Because it, you know, if you take five pay per views, the old back of the envelope math, Rich, if you take five pay per views that do 130,000 buys each, okay, is that fair? That's about what they do. Uh, that's 650,000, uh, let's call it 700,000. Let's just estimate high. Okay, so that's uh, 700,000 pay-per-view buys, you know, times the 50 bucks, that's uh, $35 million. Let's call it a 50-50 split, which we know it isn't, but we're being generous. You know, that's, uh, you know, so you divide that by two and that's about 17 and a half million. So let's again estimate high and say that AEW is netting $20 million in pay-per-view. And it's probably less than that, but let's let's build for some growth or whatever. Uh, why wouldn't you just fold that into the deal with Warner Brothers Discovery? Because when you're talking about a deal which total value could exceed a billion dollars 20 million is a drop in the bucket at that point. You just give it, you give them what they want to get the total value of the deal as high as you
1: can. It's also a lot so, easier. <laughs> it's a lot easier for you to do because correct. you're not grinding for every single pay per view to buy. You're not grinding to make sure that every possible person that you know that, that could possibly be watching your show is going to give you $60 to buy that pay per view. You're good. You know what I mean? Like it, it's,
0: you it's know, as it's, we talked about, so much of the booking pressure is off. Yeah. It doesn't mean you don't try. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. mean you completely pack it in like Vince McMahon has done at times where the effort is just so minimal and the pay-per-views have been abysmal. Um, but it does take a lot of the pressure off where
1: you're not you scratching a, a lo- and clawing for every $1,000, yes. you know, every a thousand, Oh, if we can get a thousand more people to buy this show, then we're really talking right. like, it's not, you're not, you're not worrying about those thousand people. You're you're worrying, hey, you know what? We got the money, but you know well, we still want a good show. We obviously want people to still go to our shows, and consume our media, and do all that sort of stuff. But yeah, you, you do take a lot of the booking stress out of it, and, and you're not hunting and chasing every last pay-per-view buy that you could possibly get like like they are yeah, in the you current you can take
0: model. more chances, and, and you can take more chances in creating stars. You can take chances on someone in a big spot on a pay-per-view when, like you said, you're not living or dying between – doing 120,000 buys or doing 160,000 buys when the, when the show's already bought and paid for and folded into a larger deal, then you can take a chance on, on rocket packing someone into a main event. And because it's not, you know, the the money's fixed. and, And this is what we've been talking about with WWE for almost for what a decade now, it's huge fixed money and it makes everything easier. So that's the kind of analysis that, you know, we'll have to be putting into this company now at times. And um, that's the game that they're playing. Huge fixed income, which makes everything easier, which is why Tony Khan had that eye of the fucking tiger last night when he made this announcement. He's all fired up as well. He should be. You know, this announcement's huge. He's got fucking Wembley in front of him. That's gonna do a $10 million gate somewhere thereabouts. Uh, you know, forbidden door, uh, uh grand slam, all out. I mean, you know,
1: this, <laughs> hell of a summer.
0: You know, all of a sudden things have just, you know, turned around from you know, and, and the one thing that, you know, you think would stop now would be, and I'm not talking about the concern trolls or the anti-AEW crowd, the people that wanted to die, the psychopaths. I'm talking about fans who like AEW and people who listen to shows like this and know what's going on. Um because, Rich, there was a pretty high profile wrestling podcast that has existed longer than ours. And I'm not going to name it because I'm not playing that Howard Stern 1990s podcast war game. I'm not doing that. I have no interest in that. 2015, let's fucking go. But 2023, Joe Lance is not into that anymore.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Okay. I appreciate, it. But I appreciate a, it. I appreciate that. It is a 2014. Sure, you know what? It's a 2014 throwback show. So, you know what? Fuck them. Name him. No, I'm kidding. Please don't.
0: <laughs> Rich, I've grown up a bit over the years. I've matured. I, uh, you know, I, you know I, I'm a family man now. Um, I'm not banging girls with leg casts uh, every other night. But uh, there, there was a, a pretty prominent wrestling podcast, and I, I don't know if it's very popular in our circle, so to speak. It's kind of more of the, eh. Pro- the Venn diagram probably crosses with Cornette a bit for this particular show, but they've existed for well over a decade And they have a fairly successful Patreon, not as successful as ours, but a fairly successful Patreon. And, uh, you know, they, they, you know, they've been out there and you would know who they were if I told you who they were, if you don't know already. And they actually went on the air last week and said the Wembley number wasn't impressive. And it's like, that's the kind of analysis that's out there. So my point is, for people who listen to our show or subscribe to WrestleNomics or the Wrestling Observer, people who kind of have a grasp on the business side of wrestling, and know that the saying the Wembley ticket sales aren't impressive is just a preposterous claim, or the kind of show that would en- even entertain the idea that Tony Khan is buying the tickets or any of this other nonsense that's really out there. People really, I know it, it, it's, it's
1: truly out there. It's, I, I know it, 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 it's it, insanity. It, it, it's, it's, it is know. by people that but, are like, I assume, fully functional, like adults. Humans, Adults, yeah, yeah th- that are like, I bought 20,000 tickets, it's easy to sell 60,000. Like, what? <laughs> How do they distribute yeah. these? Like, you got, I gotta know, like, I gotta, okay, so, so Tony Khan buys 20,000 tickets to Wembley Stadium how is he distributing these who who are who's getting these like because that's always that that used to be like that and that wasn't like a that's not a new thing people have been saying that for a very long time for some fucking reason and yet every time there's a pay-per-view like the crowd's always full and the building's always full and it's it's it you think just it would admits. stop yeah. you think it would stop and yeah. then it doesn't yes. yeah. and i just would love to ask those people okay well explain how this whole process works here <laughs> Where?
0: and also the the idea that the idea that scalpers are buying them all when we have data you know a typical big event Meltzer does these numbers, is about 20% of the tickets go on the resale market. Currently, at for the Wembley Show, less than 2% of the tickets <laughs> right. are available on the resale well, market. And then the but argument anyway, the we point- have to
1: have with those people all the time is like, they're like, oh, well, nobody wants these tickets. Only scalpers have them. And it's like scalpers are in business because they buy tickets that people want. You know what I mean? Like you're a yeah, scalper. It, scalpers don't buy tickets to things that nobody wants to go to. They buy tickets to popular events. So if a bunch of scalpers buy your ticket, that's also... Good. That means they're probably going to make. You know, they're they're trying to make money on that, and they're probably going to try to sell every single ticket they have, and that's why they're in the business that they're in. So, yeah,
0: wild. Yeah, but but yeah, there's really dumb podcasts out there, for lack of a better term, and some of them are hosted by people like Eric Bischoff and Jim Cornette, and although Jim Cornette, to be fair, has done nothing but praise the. Yes, yeah, he 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 has not. He has
1: not. I I don't know what Bischoff's slant has been so far, and I don't honestly care. But yeah, don't know, don't don't care.
0: But but my point here is my long-winded point is I'm uh, even talking about the kind of fan who is tuned in has half a brain listens to our show listens to Dave subscribes to things like you know it, 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 the post wrestling observer voices of wrestling corner of the universe you even see some of those fans panicking over one bad rating
1: right or biting their teeth one about every show
0: that doesn't draw well or, or anything. And hopefully now those days are over where dynamite can have an off week where they do a 0.21. And the, and like you wrote about a couple of weeks ago, the sky isn't falling. It's all right. You know, to, to take a step back and look at the big picture and the big picture for AEW right now. Couldn't be any, I mean, this is, They're riding the biggest high they've ever rode, like, right this second. This summer is going to be huge for them. It all starts this Wednesday. So I just hope sort of the – and I know the genesis of it. I know where it comes from. People are afraid they're not going to last – because they don't like WWE and they're tired of that being the only American alternative and they like AEW and they're concerned. Yeah. It it comes from a place.
1: It comes from a place. It it comes from a good place, but it's also like this, this worry that we're going to go back to the dark ages and there's only going to be one company or whatever. And, and, and I get that but yeah it's sh- that stuff should have probably ended a couple years ago and now hopefully after tomorrow it will just officially be over and maybe these people can can just sit back and, and enjoy AEW fully for what it is and 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 not have to worry or freak out or, or go nuts about it. like you said every you know a bad attempt we get a wrestle ticks update from some show coming up in- in-, in in two months and it's like oh god they've only sold 50% oh god and it's like calm down just take a breath like it's okay they're, they're gonna be all right and, and yeah hopefully after Next week, uh, we can just end that that sort of not not concern trolling, but like the the biting our nails and the the PTSD, the the TNA WCW PTSD that we have.
0: The concern trolling is never going to end.
1: No, no, that's going to continue.
0: You know, and and hopefully our listeners are savvy enough to to have long since been ignoring all of those sorts of people who, again, we're not naming any of them either. We all know who they are. You know, we could run off a list of half a dozen. I don't understand why anyone pays any attention to any of it. The, they're all children. And if they're not children, they're very stupid adults. You know, they're just, you know, a, a, and their ringleaders are grifting and know damn well what they're doing. Okay. Eric Bischoff found his little niche. He's the ringleader of all these people. You know, I don't know. You know, Eric made some bad investments. He's got to do what he's got to do. That's his problem. But, um, you know, at this point, though, again to circle back, I don't know where the goalpost moves now. I I genuinely don't know where, and I guess that where it moves is well, yeah, you're still number two. You're still not doing as well as WWE. That's the only place they can go. And or you know, you know Dave, I,
1: Dave's always mentioned you know historically being number two is not. Dave Meltzer's always said you know historically being number two is is not a good position to be in. And and you know I've he's been sort of weird about that prior to the tv deal or whatever and and maybe you know his 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 idea on that will change once they sign that tv deal but i think we also have to get out of the sense that there must be a winner and a loser and that we're in a war that can only be won by one entity because again we have this wcw ptsd that it was like yeah wcw was nearly put wf out of business and then wf came back and they put wcw out of business and then they're gone like i we're not that anymore you know we're not doing that anymore that that, that that it can exist AEW and WWE can both exist in the same universe and not necessarily have to be in the business of trying to take the other one out of business where where, where you know for WWF and wcw that wasn't the case for a long time wcw was in the business of we're gonna grow ourselves, but you know what would be really good if we put them out of business all along the way as well. And then WWF turned around the tables and, and said, you know what, yeah, let's put those fuckers out of business. And then they did, and they won it. But that's it's really not what we're doing anymore. And it, I, it, well, there can exist a number two. You don't. It doesn't have to be one, and then the everybody else is gonna eventually lose to the number one. It could be a one, and it can be a two, and that's okay. And that's a healthy wrestling business.
0: You know, it's because a lot of these people approach it from strictly. A television rating standpoint because of the Monday Night War and the Monday Night War, and the way the Monday Night War was judged, which was television ratings. Okay. Um, it it, these people are just they're stuck 25 years in the past, and again, it's because of their ringleaders like Eric Bischoff and Vince Russo who haven't had success well, and they've been stuck. The <laughs> They're stuck 25 years, years in the past. Right. And of course the, those guys are going to view it through that lens because Eric Bischoff's entire career and reputation hinges on those 80, how many 82, 83, weeks, 83,
1: weeks. 83 weeks.
0: Joe, I care so little about it. I never even know the exact number, but it's like, that's his entire career hinges on the is grasping those 83 weeks. And same for, for, for Russo. I mean, his, his, any success he ever had in the wrestling business was almost three decades ago. So they view everything through that lens. They pass that message along. And now, you know, all of their sycophants and all of their fans and their listeners and, and all that, even though Russo really doesn't have much of an audience, Bischoff does. Um, they all view it through that lens. So when they see AEW have 750,000 viewers last week, they... Their brain automatically makes them think that they're failing. And this means that they're going to be out of business. And it's just, it's nonsense. It's utter nonsense. And we discussed this last night, but I'll bring it up again. This show right here, you and I, even among rational people, we were among the very few who never worried about this. I was never concerned about AEW securing a big television deal and a new television deal and i always thought that if it wasn't warner brothers discovery it'd be someone else because you can't perform as well as oh, we we floated that television. fox thing
1: remember remember about a year ago we yeah. floated that that we if i was tony Khan to and and mookie goner or whatever i'd get a meeting with fox and go hey look you know we know that you're happy with WWE. but just so you know like here's our numbers <laughs> you know we're we're not well, the
0: opposite yeah. my or, idea or fox, was if yeah, i fox was fox the same too. i yeah. would say I can get AEW on pennies on the dollar and make more money off of it because it'll perform 60 or 70% as well. Right. And then, you know, we were the first ones to bring that up a year. And then then that actually started to get some rumblings, you know, a few months later, you know, where other people were picking up on that idea. So I never worried about that because you, you weren't going to have a television product as strong as dynamite and make no mistake. It's a strong television product. It's a top five performer every weekend on its and it only gets beat by NBA games, and the occasional reality show that gets hot, like this Vanderpump gimmick, that was not going not going to find a home, even if Warner Brothers didn't want it. I was never concerned about this, but hopefully, among the rational fans, listen, you know people like our listeners, they won't have this panic anymore that this company's going anywhere because it's not. It's not. This Wednesday changes everything. Forever.
1: I'm fascinated to see the new grift. I I I can't wait. It's kind of just have to be like Tony's behavior on Twitter is not that of a CEO or whatever. Yeah,
0: it just becomes more comical each time where they push these goalposts. Yeah, Yeah. And you know, to bring up that Tony's not professional. Okay, you know what? Tony's a poster. And we all know Tony's a poster. Okay. Are these people familiar how Vince McMahon treated Armin Katayan or how Vince McMahon treated Bob Costas, or how Vince McMahon treated uh, Phil Mushnick? Or how I could go on. Rich, I could do yeah, this all for day. an hour. You could do this all day. Yes, could, we could the, go are on. Are these for a people while. familiar with history? Do they know? You know, and you you didn't have to be alive. Pick up a book. Pick up a book. Log into YouTube. You want to talk about unprofessional? I mean, okay. Tony claps back with some tweets has he ever treated a reporter the way Vince McMahon has treated uh, at, at minimum a half a dozen reporters over the years I mean the reason that Nick Khan and Triple H and Stephanie McMahon over the years have become the public faces of the company is because Vince knows he can't handle talking <laughs>
1: because to the he's press. an unhinged maniac who can't handle he's
0: a, and he he he's he aware knows of it.
1: it and he's aware of it
0: yeah so i i don't want to hear this shit about how unprofessional Tony Khan is because he throws out a clapback tweet now and then, because it came <laughs> right. up in the internet era because he's a millennial who came up with memes that you know get used to it well i'll, I'll look say at this da- to look at dana white how is dana how is yeah. dana white running <laughs> right. i mean this is how these people uh, also they all like also
1: this. vince mcmahon incredibly wealthy and worth more than ever dana white incredibly wealthy worth more than ever uh tony khan eventually by next week probably going to be even more wealthy well, and even worth yeah. even more well, it's well, like well in
0: tony con in tony con's case a little more wealthy not more wealthy than you know what i mean like that guy was already starting you, you know you say starting on third base that motherfucker started hitting a grand slam i mean that guy was worth billions and billions of dollars to begin with but your point is take
1: yeah it's just that you know that it's like oh you got to be more professional it's like i don't know it doesn't seem to be yeah. like affecting any it of these people <laughs> yeah. all these people seem to be doing just okay so uh maybe not uh and i will say since we just passed up the anniversary uh uh, I also don't believe Tony Khan has gone on to his uh, television show uh, and challenged the opposing uh, owner of the other company to a fight uh, on pay-per-view right. and that got sued over it uh, like one of the other people that, you know, says that Tony Khan's too unprofessional has, has actually did uh, many, many years ago. So, anyway.
0: Yeah, I mean, Eric Bischoff has a long history of saying stupid shit, too. I mean, that's just – there's something about that job and that position that maybe it's because you're in the fight game. You know, boxing promoters. There's a litany of boxing oh, promoters God. who yeah, have been yeah. – shit talkers all you know it's like so whatever it is about you know the fight game i mean these these guys i don't know if it's the fucking overload of testosterone that just is flowing throughout everybody you deal with on a day-to-day basis i don't know if it's the overload of testosterone that you're intentionally pumping into your body in the case of at least two of the people that we've been talking about today i don't know what it is but it's 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 there's something about it where they're all they all behave this way tony out of all of them uh, is probably the most pleasant with the media. Tony Khan couldn't be more polite in his media calls and at his scrums. It's on Twitter. He He's a, he's a poster. He's a poster. It really ain't that big a deal. And it's never a target that doesn't deserve it. Okay. You got a ESPN reporter tweeting with, with reach like a real person with reach who had a blue check mark under the old system. I don't know if he has a blue check mark under the Elon system, but this is a real reporter putting out false information about the Wembley show. I mean, was it professional? Was it quote unquote professional what Tony Khan did? No. Did the guy have it coming though? Yeah, probably. I mean, he's putting out false facts, doing the bidding of of Nikon. You know, whose who's old company represents the guy. So I mean, and this is tame by like Vince McMahon standards. Tame. You know, wake me up when Tony Khan's taking out full page newspaper. Well, there are no more newspapers. You get the idea.
1: If he did, he'd be he would be insane. Yes. If he was if he was so angry about something he was taking out full page newspaper ads, then indeed uh uh he 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 would be yes yeah, so, uh, like someone in the chat
0: what if Vince had Twitter when he was 35? Oh, You don't God. think he'd be doing the same shit?
1: <laughs> oh, God. A coked up, roided up, 80, 1985 Vince McMahon on Twitter. Good God. Yeah, that'd be... Uh... V-
0: what if Vince had Twitter during the Monday Night War? What With if he had Ted it during Turner, the, st- uh, the uh,
1: steroid but- trial? Question. Imagine him during the or- steroid trial, you know, and people being like, hey, Vince, <laughs> clapping back on Twitter all the time. It'd be awful. It'd be terrible. I mean... You know, Everybody so, would be worse off with Twitter. He, society is worse off with Twitter. Trust me. Add Twitter to any part of history and it would be worse because I know that because I'm living in a horrible existence that is filled with Twitter. So yes, I'm aware. It would be worse, uh, for sure.
0: Vince never tweets. That's because he doesn't even know his password. <laughs> Fuck it. What do you think? Give me I a know, break. I
1: lie. I see that a lot. They're like, oh, see, v- <laughs> which again, like you can't be... It's 20... Like in 2023, you can't be making that argument, man. When the company, it should have been you know, a problem in that company that Vince McMahon was, was you know, doing what he was doing <laughs> unchecked for years by years, but it's just not. But, yeah, the idea that it's like, oh, that's, now that's how you run a business right there, pal. It's just whatever. Who knows? All the right. guy's
0: 80. That's why he doesn't tweet because he's 80.
1: <laughs> Happy birthday, Shane. <laughs> okay.
0: if, if, if he sat down and learned how to use it, he probably would tweet. Um, maybe not with the, maybe now he's, he, but when he was 35, 40 years old. Oh God. Yeah. When he was Tony Khan's age, please. Um, will Tony Khan be tweeting when he's 80.
1: Uh, pr- uh, God, hopefully Twitter's not around when he's 80. Uh, but if it is still around in some place, oh great, right? great. Love it. So
0: that will be, uh, that, that's something that's going to be a bad to. existence for you, Joe.
1: Let me tell you, you better hope that
0: doesn't come true. <laughs> that's geez. Working stiff on me here. Jeez. You got a lot of um, a lot of people that love you. So that's going to be Listen, you know, that's the that's the uh that's the albatross of being uh outspoken and right most mm-hmm, of the time. Mm-hmm. You know, when when you have the combination of being outspoken and when you're almost always right, that's a recipe for disaster. You know, the, people are are going to hate you. Uh so that's you know, that's my burden that I must carry. Um how about dynamite last night? 877,000 viewers up 100,000 viewers from the week before. A 0.32 up from the 0.28 that they've been doing every single week uh seemingly for a month. Up against the Vanderpump machine. Warriors Lakers 7.5 million viewers at 2.72 in the demo. NHL playoffs did a point 4. Trump all the Trump bullshit last night and Dynamite up and up big.
1: I I was shocked. I, I was shocked because I we, we didn't touch on it last night, but uh, I was looking oh, at the couldn't. competition and it was like, oh boy, you got an NBA big time NBA games too. Not not little time. I mean, but every every game at this point for the NBA is a big time uh, right, game all big now. Yeah, plus then yeah, the CNN thing with, with with Trump where I was like, oh man, this is gonna and that thing. I was blown away. I think I only got 3 million viewers, I think. Is that what the official number was? It wasn't good. Whatever that number was, it was like, whoa, okay. Because I really thought that was going to put a huge dent in it. And the NBA still did really, really well. The NBA, man, did you see the demo number for the, the Lakers Warriors, man? It was like 2.72 2. Yeah. 2 in the demo for Lakers Warriors, man. God damn. Sports sports are back. Remember that, that weird period where like people weren't watching sports for a little while? Yeah. It was like yeah. – there was the COVID year where obviously people were just like, this is too weird. I don't really want to watch this. But then there was like the post-COVID years that people were just like not watching sports. It was like, I guess sports, nobody watches sports. But then they're – the, sports are back, baby. Everybody is watching sports again. And uh, yeah, that those were wild numbers. Yeah, for them to still be good, it was like, wow, that was just a good – that was a good TV night, man. People were watching TV last night in, in some form or fashion because a lot of stuff did really, really good.
0: Yeah, and – um, you know, they obviously stacked the show to go up against all of this. And and I would assume the next few weeks will be stacked as well as the NBA continues to get deeper into the playoffs. But um, I didn't expect that kind of jump in and, and the main event quarter hour. Totally bucked the trend. Normally, quarter hour eight loses viewers. And I don't think a lot of people who, who don't pay attention to ratings understand that. But even, you know, the main event qu- just because it's so late at night. You know, and, and and you know, raw for years quarter hour through uh, hour three, you know, does lower viewership than hour one. That's always been the trend with these wrestling shows, and that's been the trend with dynamite. But last night, that cage match, the viewership shot up for the main event and the final quarter hour, which is notable, uh, because that does not always happen, and oftentimes the viewership drops for the final quarter hour. And quarter hour seven is where the rise began, and that cage match. Took up a, the last few minutes of quarter hour seven. Uh, and if you count the intros, about half a quarter hour seven, and then all of quarter hour eight. And that's right where the viewership shot up. So there was huge interest in the Moxley Omega cage match, especially when you factor in all of the other competition. Because at that point, they were head to head with Lakers Warriors at that point, I believe. So. Um, they may not have been early in the show. What time that basketball game start? I hate to put you on the spot. The Lakers
1: Warriors it... one was run. Well, nine central, I think. So about 10 central or, or 10, 10 Eastern. I should say run right around 10 Eastern.
0: Nine central. So, yeah, the Laker Warrior game was starting. Right just so, around yeah, I, I was Dynamite flipping was back and
1: forth for a bit. But then obviously we, we went to do the show. So I want to yeah. say right around the same time. It may have started just after. Uh, the cage match ended. I I I don't recall West exactly Coast, it when it head- when it tipped off, but
0: nearly Well, that. And obviously, West Coast it went head to head directly. Obviously, so, um, yeah, because the West Coast feed would have started an hour later, and that's right smack dab in the middle of the basketball game. So, uh, Brandon uh, yeah, in just, the note
1: of the chat room says started about ten minutes after uh, Dynamite ended. So there you go.
0: Okay, so it didn't affect the East Coast, but it affected the West Coast directly, the Laker uh, Warrior game, but uh. So moot point with the main event then. Wouldn't have affected the main event. The main event did tremendous. I mean, that just, you know, um, obviously huge interest in that. And end ended up being a great match with a great angle. So that's going to help moving forward. And like I said last night, I came out of that dynamite thinking, I can't wait for next week. For the first time, probably since the pay-per-view, I came out of a dynamite thinking, I can't wait for next week. I can't be alone. That was a killer show. And a ton of people watched. And I would imagine that that momentum would carry forward, but, you know, who the fuck knows? Trying to predict this, this TV stuff sometimes is uh, a fool's errand, Rich. You ever use the phrase a fool's uh,
1: errand? I've used it from time to time, not not that often, but for, for from time to time. As as a fool, I have indeed used it uh, uh, a couple of times here and there. Well, uh Uh, Speaking of people that are probably not fools, uh, A.W. Wembley Weekend, All-In Weekend, uh, is coming up, obviously, in August. And we most people assume that a lot of the British promotions are probably going to get involved in running shows in and around the weekend, as they should if you have, you know, 60 to 70 to potentially 80,000 people uh, assembling at, you know, in one place to watch professional wrestling, you should probably find out how to get involved with that, and uh, RevPro looks like they are the first to pounce with uh, announcing they are running their 11th anniversary show uh, on Saturday, August 26th uh, from the Copper Box, and they're calling it their biggest show ever, so uh, uh, we we, we kind of knew that was going to happen, but yeah, they're the first ones to drop here, uh, by announcing a show around, uh, all in weekend. So, so good on RevPro, smart idea of RevPro, and yeah, announcing it as the biggest show ever, their 11th anniversary show.
0: Well, for people who don't know the copper box is where new Japan ran Royal quest in 2019. And, uh, that show did 6,119 fans. It's a big place. That's that's yeah. It's a, that was a huge show for new Japan. Um, Look, I don't think Rev Pro is going to do 6,000 fans. But, you know, running the weekend of Wembley, they're going to do probably their biggest crowd of all time. I I, I don't even think that's going to be in dispute. Because they're going to load that show up too. And they're going to be able to put a lot of big stars on that show. So uh, this is a real big deal for them. And that building's a big deal. And I know in some of my group chats and haunts that I frequent, a a lot of the uh, people... Uh, from England, were very excited about that announcement and, and saying that they were going to look into going to that show. So I think that's going to be a big one, and it's a great idea, and good for RevPro. I'm happy for them. Uh, you know, we've been uh, a Pro RevPro podcast for a while now. I think they handled speaking out and the pandemic perfectly, uh, much better than any other company in the UK. Um, they just kept their nose down, made the right decisions. Did the right things, did the work, kept their business going, put on good shows, and uh, you know, Quilden, I you know, I, I, I don't have enough uh good things to say about him. They didn't the listen to the noise too. Run.
1: Because there was a lot, there was so much noise. Why are you guys running during the pandemic? Why make an announcement about this? Explain why about this wrestler. Explain why you worked with this wrestler in the past. You know, and and they just kind of said, you know what, we're just going to keep doing our thing. You know, whatever. Kept his
0: nose down and worked. That's it. OK, no, don't be codes of conduct that don't mean anything, which progress uh, no is con- still
1: doing. They're still they did yeah. one this week. Just stop.
0: God Nobody cares about your code of conduct. It means nothing. It's 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 nonsense. It's utter nonsense. No codes of conduct. No constant announcements on your Twitter. No uh, grandstanding. No, no overcorrecting and then not being able to No, they kept their nose down. They didn't listen to any of the noise. Uh, and you know, they're just, they just, and now they're doing great. And now they're going to have, uh, the, the biggest show in their history. And, um, I've been, I've watched, you know, Rev Pro, you know, really since the pandemic, I've been on top of it. And this year I've watched nearly every show and they're doing a really good job this year. It's simple point A to point B booking. Uh, there's always two or three really great matches on, on most of their bigger shows. Some of the smaller shows that don't have as much talent don't. They've got a great crop of young talent that's coming up. Um, You know, and forget guys like Callum Newman and J.J. Gale and Luke Jacobs. That's like the old group of young guys they had coming up. Now they've got the Leon Slaters and this. They have a whole nother wave of good young workers coming up. And it's really the, the it's the India I'm personally most invested in. Okay, and their shows are the closest thing to the kind of indie wrestling rich that you and i enjoy right the old school roh the old school evolve where it's just no nonsense pro wrestling
1: right they they take themselves way too serious and god damn it i'm here for it because i uh, wrestling, wrestling needs to take itself serious again and we haven't done that in a very long time so i very much welcome a company that takes themselves too serious and doesn't deal in a bunch of bullshit and and and, and shenanigans and all that sort of stuff it's it's fantastic.
0: Matches with- Dumb jocks and too many kickouts, and, and sometimes I, <laughs> there's times I'm watching Rev Pro and 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 their matches, and I feel like I'm watching a 2006 ROH show. You know, the, the the talent level's not the same. That's not what I'm getting at. Okay, you know, there's they have guys that are really good. Don't get me wrong, but up and down the card, you know, it isn't the same talent level as vintage ROH or evolve from like 2016 but it's the same style of wrestling and the same style of indie show. It's not commentators telling you to suck their dick and cursing at you. And this grimy feel, this, this DIY punk rock atmosphere. That's not, that's if that stuff's for you. Great. You know, I, you could have all the game changers and circle sixes that you, I'm not into that. I I want pro wrestling and that's what Rev Pro delivers. And I'm happy for them. I love the way they've handled everything that's come their way in a very tumultuous three or four year period. I love the way Quilden does business. I love that they build their own stars. And I'm I'm thrilled for their success. And I hope that they pack as many people as they can into that copper box building. Is that the day before or two days before? That
1: is – so the day the Copper – they're going to the Copper Box on Saturday, August 27th, and All-In is the next day on the – or, sorry, 26th. Uh, Rev Pro is doing the 26th, and then uh, All-In is going to be on the 27th. Yeah. So the day before.
0: There's people in the chat saying, forget getting Lanza to the Tokyo Dome. We got to get him to London for a Rev Pro show. I'd love to. Bart Scott can't wait. I'd love to go to London for a Rev Pro show. I would love to do that. so uh, you know, who knows? much easier I, flight. I be-
1: much easier flight for you too that, that that Tokyo flight might be tough that that London flight right. not bad. not bad.
0: much easier flight. and I feel like if I get lost or something, at least it's the same language right like it's less. Intimidating <laughs> it's not, not
1: as much of a problem. you know it's not as much of a problem in Japan. I, I I've never been there, but from everything I've heard that it's not as much of a problem as you might think it is. I, and I have traveled outside of the me. country and it's not as much of a problem as you might think it is. yeah,
0: it would be for me that that's you. OK, everybody, speaks, everybody speaks
1: English and everything is in English. I'm telling you, you'll be fine.
0: If I went to Japan by myself and attempted to travel on a train, I'd end up in South Korea. I'm telling you, it right. would you you'd, be, well.
1: you'd be kotobushi when he travels to America and he's just like yes. stranded. You're like, where is he? Oh, he's at this airport. Why is he at that airport? And It's like somebody go get him. Yeah. It's like he's in Kyoto for some reason. He's at the Kyoto airport for some reason. How did he get there? We don't know. He just he just got there. Or yeah, yeah you're in you're it. in Korea for some reason.
0: <laughs> yeah, I freely admit it. I I, I would, wouldn't stand a chance. I, I have no I can't even operate the train systems here where everything's in English. I don't know what I'm doing. I, I in Japan, forget it. Yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't know what the hell I'm doing. Um, but yeah, so yeah, you know, good for Rev Pro. That's that's great news. And I know they're gonna stack that show. And um, you know, uh yeah, you know, I'm sure Osprey obviously is gonna be on that show and, and he'll have a big match and and uh, you know Ricky Knight Jr. and and everybody. I mean, if people, you know, Luke Jacobs. Let me tell you something. Luke Jacobs and Connor Mills are to me two of the most improved wrestlers in the business this year. Oh, the, Mills, and I'm watching so everything.
1: good now compared to where he was. Look wise, wrestling wise, in ring wise, confidence wise, charisma wise. Yeah, he he is night and day. If you haven't seen him in a long time, you, you gotta you got well. If you haven't seen Luke Jacobs in a long time, you should check him out too because he's a completely different human too.
0: Luke Jacobs and people are, this might sound sacrilegious He's like a mini Walter at this point. I mean, he's not, you know, Walter's Walter Gunther, whatever he's, he's an all timer. Let's be honest. Is that, that's not unfair, right? He's, oh an no, 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 He's
1: been doing this. Yeah, no, he, he he's, he's an all timer for sure.
0: He's an all time great wrestler. Okay. So I, I'm not telling you that Luke Jacobs is, but he's like. But it feels condescending to call him a dollar store version of Walter. That's not the right verbiage either. But he's on that path. That's the kind of wrestler he is now. And uh, Connor Mills, look, he went through a rough period. We used to call him the uh, the British Jordan Oliver. <laughs>
1: we did, right? Yeah, yeah. Because lo- he and looked like him.
0: He had the cornrows. looked and, like him. Yeah. And a similar like vibe. Uh, and they were both like, ah, these guys could be good, but they just they suck. And it's funny because. Both of them have rapidly improved. Like, I think Jordan Oliver is one of the most improved wrestlers in the world. So it's like, you've got to give these young wrestlers a chance sometimes. You do. You really do. Because now I'm going out of my way to watch matches from, from, from these guys now, whereas they were skips for me before. Um, so anyway, that's, that's and I'm telling you, Rev Pro is loaded, loaded, with good young talent, yeah, they really are, yeah, and, a, and, and they're bringing in that Layton Buzzard now. The, you know, they Osprey did that open challenge, and they picked Layton Buzzard, this guy from ICW, which is a promotion way off of our radar. I mean, we don't pay any attention. I don't think a lot of people in in, in Europe do either anymore. But um, so he did the match with Layton Buzzard. I don't know if you saw it, but I watched it. And it was a great match. I mean, you know, it, Will Osprey could have a great match with me. I mean, that shouldn't be a surprise. But um, you know, it seemed like it earned him a job now because you know Buzzard's putting out put out some tweets and says he's coming in the Rev Pro now. So it, obviously Osprey was impressed with him and Quilden was impressed with him, and that's another guy that you can add to the pile. You know, of just these good young talents that Rev has. So um, I'm happy for them. I think a lot of people might. I don't know how that show. I'm sure it'll be distributed in some form or fashion. Um, it'd be great if they can get it on fight. If not. Their streamer is only like $7.99 a month or something. Um, hopefully this gets some attention and some eyes on rep pro that haven't been there before.
1: Yeah. They, I they, personally they
0: believe it. they're I personally believe they're the best indie in the world. At least for my taste.
1: Well, and people are also going to get some eyes on Dan Maloney uh, in the next couple of, of of weeks as well, as he's in the best of the super juniors. And already he's kind of catching a lot of people's attention because he looks like Dan Maloney. And if you know what Dan Maloney looks like. He yeah. looks like Dan Maloney, and yeah, we're, you're already starting to see a few. You know, I, I saw some viral tweets going yesterday about about Dan Maloney, kind of laughing about his look, but also being like, "Holy shit, look at that guy!" Like, and, and he's he's good. He's a good worker too. So, best of the super junior is going to be a, a, a good spotlight for him. Uh, and yeah, his home base obviously is is, is still RevPro. Pro. So, uh, yeah, they got an embarrassment of riches right right now in RevPro. It's 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 a nice. They've rebuilt this thing pretty good, and they've withstood some losses. They've withstood speaking out. They withstood the whole scene kind of exploding, and 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 they got a good partner in New Japan. They have you know potentially you know partnerships with with. Uh, Aew down the line as well. so yeah, it, it's 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 definitely a company to keep an eye on and and uh, good for them to to be able to have this 11th anniversary show going on during all in uh, weekend and and yeah, they're going to have their biggest crowd ever and and it's it's definitely well deserved. All right, let's uh, let's go to Puerto Rico now, Joe. Not uh, no, no, we're not talking about. Well, we might. Talk, we're going to talk about a cologne, not not Carlos cologne, but uh, let's talk about WWE Backlash, uh, their pay per view from Puerto Rico. It was on uh, Saturday uh, last weekend, and it was a pretty fun show, I'd say, all in all. I mean, the crowd was was awesome. Uh, I mean, definitely. No, it, you don't have to use fake noise and air blowers and hair dryers or whatever when you were in Puerto Rico. Because man, no, these fans were were ready and anxious and excited uh, to see professional wrestling, and I think it just made for for a much more uh, a fun show. I don't think it was all in all a good show, and 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 I have some you know some thoughts about that. But uh, it was definitely a fun show, and the good moments were really really good. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I thought it was it was a it was a decent fun watch for me. Uh, obviously still some complaints, and we'll, we'll, we'll touch on those when we go match by match. But what do you think overall of uh, of Backlash?
0: I thought it was a good show. It was as good as a WWE show could be for someone like me because there's just so much stuff that they do that I hate so much that I don't know if they could ever have a great show in my eyes. Um, and that's just me being honest because as we go through this show, I'm going to talk about some things that just bugged the hell out of me, and that's just the house style. Right. But, you know, it's as good... I don't think it was as good as that one night of WrestleMania. Oh, night one. No, night
1: one of WrestleMania was like legitimately a great show.
0: Yeah. Because the, the, the good matches on this show didn't peak as high as the matches at WrestleMania did. Okay. So uh, on either night, honestly, but was this an enjoyable show? Yeah. This was a WWE show where I, I, by the end of the night, I wasn't dying inside (laughs) because I didn't want to watch anymore um but there was there was look there was plenty of stuff on the show that i also did not like and i guess you know we'll get to all that as we go through but at the end of the day i had three different matches hit my notebook i mean are they going to challenge for match of the year they won't but on a wwe show that has what six or seven total matches i mean to me that's a success i didn't think and well no i didn't think anything was terrible you know, at worst, some of the match, a couple of the matches were like. Just I, there, I have two. I have two. Ter- I
1: have two terrible matches, but but I'll okay. get to them when we get to. It. I,
0: I know what they are. I mean, it's the three way and uh, the uh, yeah re- really. Oh well, this is going to be a fun review then. Yeah. Um. So I have a sleeper. Yeah, I, I
1: have a sleeper terrible match that that I will discuss here.
0: And the crowd was phenomenal. Yeah, was I mean, you know, and, and like Puerto Rico is known for red hot crowds. If you watch any of the old world wrestling council footage and, and every now and then I'll dabble with that. Um, they they always have red hot crowds. You know, there's some cities, there's some places in the world, some buildings, um, where you're just going to have red hot crowds and Puerto Rico has always been known for their hot crowds. And it also helps that they hadn't been there in a while. That definitely helps. But, um, and it also helps that bad bunny was on the show and yeah, yeah, (laughs) undoubtedly the, the biggest celebrity in, in Puerto Rico without question and you know one of the biggest music stars in the world um regardless of uh you know whatever it's niches that music falls into these days so um anyway um i don't know let's break it down yeah let's talk let's start with the main event
1: i'll talk about Cody and, and Brock Lesnar so now uh, i did not watch this live on uh, on saturday but because uh, I, I was at a uh, AEW show while, while the show was going on. So uh, I got you know texts from some people saying like, oh, Cody beat Brock. And I'm like, "Well, oh, hey, cool. Not too bad. And then when I watched this match the next day, <laughs> he beat him one, two, three. But man, uh, this this wasn't a win in the traditional sense of a win, man. If for people that did not see this match, essentially, Cody Rhodes went to Brock, went at Brock right away at the bell. Brock then pretty much decimated the guy for about seven minutes. Cody took down the turnbuckle, threw Brock into the turnbuckle. Brock got busted open. They did not stop the match and and, and, and stitch him up like they did with uh, Finn Balor at WrestleMania or whatever. They just kind of let him bleed because obviously it was an intention for him to bleed here. So they, they kind of let it go, which again, that just kind of makes it kind of weird, but whatever. And then you know they're, they're kind of fighting back and forth. Brock Lesnar has Cody Rhodes in. Uh, the the submission in 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 his like kimura lock or whatever, and then Cody Rhodes just kind of like stands up slightly, and then it's one, two, three, and then Cody Rhodes rolls out of the ring and and walks out as if like oh my god I got a fast one on him, (laughs) oh my god, and and kind of runs out of the ring as quickly as he possibly can to get away from Brock Lesnar, who you know he knows is going to be upset and and basically destroyed him for you know nine minutes. Um, this is not a good win. Like people can say oh he beat Brock, but I. This wasn't. This doesn't tell me that they have that there are high hopes yet for Cody. That we're 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 getting this story on track here. I mean, this was a lucky ass win by Cody.
0: Uh, I
1: don't know. He didn't do. He didn't have any offensive moves. I agree with. And he won via being in a submission and pinning the guy, and then rolled out of the ring immediately.
0: Yeah, I agree with everything you're saying. But I think the visual of Brock Lesnar bleeding buckets in the ring and, and, and look, it was a very physical match. And Cody allowed Brock to put him through um, some very physical spots. And, you know, and, and I think that was by design. It, it felt like a war. And obviously the, 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 the spot they did that busted Brock open. Which only a star of Brock's magnitude can really get away with at this point. Um, I, I mean, in a vacuum, I love the match. I mean, because I I love Brock's stuff. Oh, it was a war.
1: Yeah, it was it was a war. It was a, in a in a vacuum. It was a hell of a fucking great match. I yeah, loved it.
0: I mean, it's was, it was best match on the show for my money. I mean, the Bad Bunny Damian Priest thing was fun, and it was perfect for that crowd. But for my tastes, this was the best match on the show. Um, I see what you're saying. I don't know if I'm fully on board because I think beating Brock and also leaving him a bloody mess the way that he did. I don't think it came across as poorly as you think it did. So I think I'm going to have to side on disagreeing with you.
1: That, that, that's I, I, fair. I, I'm i just of the mindset that if we're truly saying that, no, 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 this guy, it's still, it, we're still doing this. We're still doing this thing with Cody. Like, I don't know if getting his ass handed to him for nine minutes and then getting a banana peel win is exactly the way that I would book the guy who just. That's
0: what's weird, because I agree with you. But at the same time, Brock is not going to take three crossroads and get pinned in the middle. I agree.
1: But then why did they book Cody versus Brock?
0: You're absolutely right.
1: And they're doing it again at night of champions. And guess what? Brock's not taking three crossroads in the middle of the ring for a one, two, three there either.
0: And there's and and the other thing is there's no storyline justification for booking this match in the first place. Brock just came out and attacked Cody and we still don't know why he just came out and attacked. him, And
1: then Cody said, I want to challenge, challenge me, take me well, to the, listen to the limit." And then he took,
0: he got his ass handed to him for nine minutes. It's like, all right, well. I, I know why Cody wanted to face Brock, but we still don't know why Brock attacked Cody. They never gave any explanation for that, you know? And, um, you know, and, and, and now they're, they're going to wrestle again, I guess. And, you know cody's in this tournament for this you know the 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 draft which we all know is just a ratings thing i mean doesn't mean anything and already now as you see they're doing this tournament for the third belt and the smackdown wrestlers are in it which doesn't make any sense and it's like you just did this draft you created a title for raw and smackdown wrestlers are in the tournament right and if a smackdown wrestler wins, they're going back to re- it's like right.
1: well, well Cody is no longer in it, sir. He uh, he lost uh, in a right. three-way match yeah, to, 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 yeah. to, to Finn and, and, um, and Miz. So
0: Yeah, so you know I, I told you I didn't think he was gonna win it. I mean, you know, I, I had a feeling At, at I, some point are we gonna push this guy again, or
1: what are we gonna do here? Like what's yeah, going on? He's
0: gonna yeah, he's gonna beat Roman when it no longer matters. <laughs> right.
1: That's what I'm saying. That's like, what, let's, you know, let's yeah. guy's hot, you know, the guy was hot. Maybe we should just, you know
0: no, th- that ship has sailed.
1: Yeah, I guess. And yeah, I, I guess I need know to go this. with that standpoint that we're, we're we're doing a whole new thing now. Like, I'm still thinking we're going to work on, on what we it's had out. in March, and that's not – yeah, they're not doing that. It's a whole new story now.
0: That ship has sailed. The
1: story never ends.
0: And their ratings haven't been so hot. Some of their advance ticket sales aren't looking as hot as they were. But we all saw that coming because you had the two hot stars, and you didn't go with either one of them. Um, and WWE fans see tag team titles as a demotion. and that's WWE's fault thats yeah, they did that fault.
1: they did that to themselves
0: they exactly. So that you know, that's you know, that's what they they get what they deserve. you reap what you sow, whatever you want however you want to phrase that. but yeah, you're right, Cody and 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 you know, and I agree with you that you know, winning with tricky roll-ups when you're locked in a submission, isn't the best way to stay super hot. It is Brock. He was a bloody mess that mitigates it to some degree. Sure. um, So I agree with you and I disagree with you. Yeah, no, no, no. And
1: I I think getting a win over Brock Lesnar does mean something, but they did it in the way, in such a a way that it, it didn't, I don't know that it means all that much. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it does mean a lot, right. and it also doesn't mean a lot because he 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 got it in such a such a you know like and, and somebody in the note of Sharon brought it up perfectly. Cody won, and it was basically like one two three kid beating Razor Ramon on Raw in 1993. Like he rolled him up and then he yeah, ran I'm out not, of the ring yes. like I did it. <laughs> yeah, I escaped, and it's like oh, all right. Like, and I get it's Brock, I, I, but like I, I, you don't yeah, have don't to know. put him against Brock. Like if they I'm rehabbing and this and, guy. And, yeah, yeah. I'm having him fucking win matches definitively and say, motherfucker, I deserve that title, and everybody knows that I deserve that title, and everybody knows that I got fucked over at WrestleMania, and everybody knows that Solo Sikora ran out there, and, 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 and that's why I lost. I didn't lose because I lost. I lost because that guy came out and interfered, and, and, and that's why I lost. I should have won that match. I should be the champion, and everybody fucking knows it. But instead, he's rebuilding himself and it's like what you had it you were winning the match you won the match until the guy ran out and we're just gonna say ah well nonetheless i'll just move on and and, and see this bra-. it's like but why am his i applying i'm more, trying to yeah attitude- i'm trying to apply logic to wb and i need to stop and you need to make me stop thank you please
0: his attitude is more all shucks than i'm pissed off because right of like i want him to
1: it- I, he should have came out on raw and said everybody knows what happened at wrestlemania we all saw it and you know what? I'm gonna do whatever I can. I'm getting back at that title. I'm getting back at Roman Reigns. And I'm gonna do, I'm gonna finish this fucking story. You know what I mean? Like I, I you're not taking this away from me. I'm not letting the bloodline take this away from me. I'm not letting anybody take this away from me. I should have had that match won, and everybody knows
0: it. Yeah, no, I hear you. Look. And
1: now he's getting banana peel the- wins over Brock and going, Oh, I escaped. He's doing fucking Rey Mysterio world title wins where he's, you know, winning via yeah. roll-up and then running out of the ring as quickly as possible before the big man beats him up. And it's like, okay, well, that's one way. To, to I, rebuild the guy, and, I guess. You know, I,
0: I, and I hate to keep doing this, but imagine a world where he had beaten Roman, where he beat Roman for the title. Then it makes sense why Brock would attack him. Yes. Because Brock wants the title. Then it makes sense to beat Brock <laughs> in this manner because then you could do a rematch. And then he could beat Brock definitively the second time. And that buys you time until Roman comes back. And then Roman comes back and wants his title back. Everything would have made more sense if Cody would have won at WrestleMania. Everything. even You could even be doing everything exactly the way you're doing it now had Cody won at WrestleMania. You could even do the dopey third title because Cody lost in that tournament anyway. You just didn't have to have him in it. They wouldn't have had to change a thing if Cody had won at WrestleMania and you'd have the intrigue of when is Roman coming back to win his title, to get his title back.
1: Right. There's no way that Roman's going to sit at home and and, and not be seething that his 955-day title reign or whatever got, got, you know got lost you know he's gonna be upset or like we said then you now you have a whole new level of bloodline stuff where, where well, we'll talk to that about well, they're still doing that same story for some fucking reason but it would make more sense again if, if roman lost and he could say hey where were you solo where were you usos you didn't help me you know now you can just pivot to that too if you want to keep him out of the title picture or if you want him to get back in the title picture he goes away for a little while and it's okay when's roman going to come back to claim his throne again but instead we that was just a
0: mistake. it was, it was didn't a business mistake it was a business mistake. It was a storyline mistake. It was a, it, it, There's no arguing that it wasn't yeah. a huge mistake. But of course, none of it, it fucking matters. Front.
1: So who cares? Yeah, but
0: and none of it matters. <laughs> and the 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 thing about it is, it's more important that they hit whatever benchmark they're trying to hit with the with the title reign for Roman, because they're doing this whole.
1: He's almost at a thousand relay. days. He's very close to a thousand yeah. days. Great. He'll, then he'll pass Pedro Morales. Not that far after. Okay. Great. And then yeah. Then it's going to take I don't years. Know where, I don't, so I don't well, know what they're the going to do after
0: that. After he passes Pedro, know, it's like, okay, now what? I don't know what their benchmark is, but they have one. It can't be the record because he can't ever get there. <laughs> but they're doing this thing. They have this initial one of their one of the things they have a hard on for right now is rewriting the record book to be to have more modern. Re- if you've noticed, I don't know if you've picked up on this, it's not just with the Roman. They're now touting how long Bianca Belair has yeah. held her title. Mm-hmm. And they're saying how the it's longest the longest in modern
1: history, the longest title reign in modern women's right. history, because they know the fabulous Moolah is like 35-year reign or whatever. It. They're never yeah. Ca- yeah, obviously you're never catching that. So, so we're just gonna stop at that point and say, okay, from nineteen eighty, whatever on, yeah, she's the longest.
0: Yeah. So they're doing this thing where they want to have their current stars holding these records. Okay. So they have some benchmark in mind for Roman. I don't know what it is. And they're just going to rewrite their record book for Roman. He's never catching Bruno, but they're going to reframe it as a modern record, whatever that means to them. They've probably decided already, you know, um, again, even just to catch Hogan's first one, though, you have to go many more years, at least two, three more years or something, right? Two more years. Um, I don't know how you keep the bloodline fresh that long. People are tired of it already, which again was predictable. And we've talked about it ad nauseum. I mean, but, but now their fans are tired of that because it really was only hot for four or five months in it's whole run. And it's right back to being boring again. Same old shit. Well, you know, the match on, you want to get to that match? You want to get to fucking, that match on the yeah, show? Yeah, let's do it. This Perfect is one transition. of the matches I thought sucked.
1: I thought this match fucking sucked. Yeah. I hated this match. This is awful. Done. Well,
0: yeah. Not good. I, listen,
1: you got all these talented guys and all these guys that I think are good workers. I think every single person in this match, Solo Soko, I don't. I still don't know about him. The jury's still out on him. I know Jimmy and Jay are good. I know Kevin. Obviously, Kevin Owens is great. Matt Riddle is very good. Sami Zayn, great. All these guys are so good, and we have a 22-minute match that kills this crowd. This crowd is bored to fucking tears by these guys, which how do you yeah. make this crowd bored? They found a way. And half the match is Jay kicking Sammy in the corner and saying, you broke my family up. This is all because of you. This is all because of you. And I'm like, oh, my God. And then Solo Sokoa. the whole match is – them all staring at each other. They tag each other and they stare at one another. And Michael Cole says, "There's been a lot of tension among the bloodline." Where does so Sokola... <laughs> like, "What are we? Stop! How are we doing this again? How is this happening again?" And 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 you know, then the Corey Gray's "Oh, the tribal chief certainly has thoughts about how the bloodline are operating tonight." I'm like, "Come on, really? This is what we're doing?" And then we get the spot where Solo almost hits. You know, J- I think it was Jay and Jay hit me. Solo hit me, brother. Hit me brother. and I'm like, oh my god! And then they still win, of course, because <laughs> like you can't have them lose. So then eventually they just pin Matt Riddle and win no matter what. But I was like, fuck this match, fuck this story, and fuck this match. This match stunk. 22 minutes of my life I'm never getting back. Tony's dopey ass could have been family. This is my family. You broke us up. It's all because of you. It's like,
0: oh my god. We're come we're right on. back to we're right back to the community theater bull. <sighs> And this is what I'm talking about, where there's a there's a cap on how much I can enjoy a WWE show because I'm never gonna like this shit. It, you know, it, it's people know our stance on this by now. I have no use for this, and we're right back to where we started with Jay Uso having grievances with everybody and cutting mid match promos, and I have. No <laughs> use I'm for it.
1: over it. Yeah, I am good
0: just none
1: i just how can um, they do this they can't keep getting away with this show. they can't just keep saying Oh, certainly the wise man will have thoughts about how the bloodline is not seeing eye to eye here tonight it's like it's, why are these people together why are they together why does this group exist like i don't wouldn't do this i would just leave you know what i mean like if i was jay i'd be like you know i don't really need this this is a lot of tension all the time constantly this doesn't help me at all this isn't fun
0: I, listen. It sucks. I'm it's just arguing. garbage. It's just garbage. Stop yelling at me! I <laughs> yeah, but the match I wasn't am. that
1: good either, right? Am I wrong? Am I? Am I so overwhelmed by my hatred for the community theater that I thought this? I didn't think this was any good, though, right?
0: No, I mean it was just there. That's it was just a I mean. perfunctory like a twenty-two, match. 22 yeah. minute yeah. match. Yeah, way too long. Now look, they had something impossible to follow. Okay, but well, they could have had a good match. Mean...
1: They could have had a good match to follow it.
0: Yeah, you can get them back. I mean, you know, you know, they were up for Cody versus Brock and I don't know if you saw but after the show went off the air, they gave Brock a standing ovation and Brock was soaking it all in. I mean, so it's not like Bad Bunny completely decimated and sucks all the energy out of the crowd. It's just that this match weren't able to get it, get, get them back. And you can excuse them for the first 5 or 6 minutes. Okay? But like you're saying, if the match was good, and if people were into the story, which they weren't, they could have gotten this crowd back because the main event did. It's not like the crowd was completely drained of all of their energy. So, no, I, I'm with you. I this this was not good. This bloodline stuff isn't any good. And it's funny because some of the biggest WWE supporters out there have turned on the bloodline. Yeah, it's it. You know, no one's enjoying this anymore. It's wheel spinning. It's repetitive, and look, as long as they want to hit whatever mythical number they want to hit with Roman, they've got to keep recycling this shit. And um, you know, I hate to use the phrase, but it just is what it is. You have to live with it.
1: Yeah. Uh, Well, let's talk about the San Juan Street fight there: Bad Bunny versus Damian Priest, twenty-five minutes and three uh, seconds—a just a molten hot crowd the entire time for this match uh bad bunny goes out there again and and, and impresses as he's done him and, and and logan paul are like two of the best workers in this company <laughs> I, I i don't know if that's like a i, I want to give them credit or like admonish WWE for the fact that these guys roll in here and have these matches and i know like people will say oh well they 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 script the matches They okay They these guys still get it they have charisma beyond anything that any of these WWE wrestlers have they they have just a, a presence that none of these well trained WWE superstars you know what i mean that we we create superstars we don't create wrestlers we create WWE superstars none of their superstars have any sort of like star power charisma uh it factor any of that and then this guy comes into the fucking building and just owns the room from day one uh, from the second he walks out and the second he walked into this company, he owned it. He's still owning it. He goes out here and has another impressive match. Uh, and, and more than that, I think what was cool about this match and, 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 and so much fun about it was that it was kind of a love letter to Puerto Rican wrestling in a lot of ways, too. And, and they did, you know, you have Carlito come out and he got like a Bruno 1974 MSG reaction. Could, could, did you even believe that the reaction that Carlito got here? That was the, one of the loudest pops I've ever heard in my entire life for Carlito coming out. And then I mean, Savio Vega with a, a little less of a pop, a little less of a pop from my man Savio, but that's okay.
0: Well, cuz they they spoiled that. They like um they 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 showed him earlier in the show, which they shouldn't have done. They should not have done, no. Um, you know, they should have allowed him to be a surprise. So, I think that's why he didn't get they were almost expecting him at some point. You know. And what's funny is um I think this was a bought show, right? And he was the promoter. Wasn't oh, I don't familiar? know. That
1: would make sense. That would make sense. He, I don't I don't know. I th- don't know.
0: Yeah, this was a sold show, and Savio Vega was the promoter. Oh, well, I there you go. Get yourself Dave, on the show then, pal. Mel- I think Dave Meltzer reported that. So, when, uh, you know, plus, he has a long history, you know, and it's like, the thing about it, though, is I don't know. I'm not in the culture. So, I don't know if people like Carlos Colon and you know TNT, which was you know Savio Vega's gimmick for all those years before he came to the mainland and became Savio Vega, he was TNT on the island. You know, I I don't know if they've endured in the culture. Like I don't know if they're still cultural figures. You know what I mean? Like Carlito's yeah. still young enough. Carlito's still young enough to where some of the fans there may have seen him wrestle locally before he went to WWE because you're only talking 20 years ago. So if you're 40, when you were in your 20s, you may have seen him wrestle for the local promotion, right? But that's not the case with Savio Vega. And that's not the case with Carlos Colon. But what Bad Bunny did to Carlos Colon. I was going to say,
1: that crowd went fucking apeshit when he set up and did the, 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 the and exactly did the, the way, way that four. Carlos Colon did the figure four with rising up. And, and Michael Cole says, Ric Flair spent plenty of time in Puerto Rico. And obviously a nod to Ric Flair. It's like, nah. absolute joke. Absolute damn it. Joke. I was like, you know,
0: what? And, and a lot of people on Twitter showing ass, too. Uh, with that one who you would. Think oh, I didn't know even better. see.
1: I didn't even see what but, that um, was all about. But yeah,
0: everyone thought he was, he was, it was, it was flair. No. And he when did was Rick flair ever put
1: both of his f- hands on the ground and lift his upper body up while in the figure well, four, Even like, the
0: setup to the whole. Yeah. But, the whole look, thing was Carlos Cologne. What are we doing? Come on. He bad bunny. Undoubtedly. Was doing a Carlos Cologne tribute. Yes. My, my question. And I posed this to American numbers in our discord he does some work for us too on yeah. the site a statistician my question was did the fans pick up that it was a carlos cologne spot because again i don't know if carlos cologne has endured in the culture the way that rick flair has in our culture right you know what i mean and he said yes they absolutely knew that that was a call that pop was huge. and the way
1: the pop was huge. as
0: bonkers as they went, you would think that it wasn't, they didn't think it was a Ric Flair tribute because they went insane when he locked on that figure four. So, and look, we know bad bunny is a wrestling fan and we know he takes this very seriously and we know he's not doing it for the money. He don't need the money and he's as good as you can be for a part-time celebrity. Okay. So he always gives it a hundred and ten percent And he was obviously into it for a million different reasons on this show. So good on him for doing that spot. And, you know, in a crowd full of people where, you know, they pan the crowd. It looks like people in their 20s and 30s. Good on them for recognizing that that was a Carlos Colon spot. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like this was a crowd full of 70 year olds. There's families and young people. You know, it's a WWE crowd. So that was good to see. Shame on the announcers. Shame on them. Okay,
1: he's also a hey, WWE Hall know. of Famer. It's not like you can't say the name Carlos Cologne. He's in your fucking right. Hall of Fame. You know what I mean? Like he's in your Hall of Fame.
0: I, I hear you. I hear you. But um, yeah. I mean, they recognize Savio obviously, you know, and they could be recognizing him from his WWE days. More than, you know, his TNT days or maybe they, you know, if they knew to the clone spots, maybe they know. You know. Yeah, I, and, but, and
1: Savio, yeah. as far as I know, because I, I have a few Puerto Rican friends and and they, you know, they still know Savio because he still promotes in Puerto Rico as well. He's still a very active member yeah. of, you know, that that the wrestling culture there and in, in, in terms of promoting shows and being active and, and obvious. So. I think that they know him too. You know what I mean? I think that they're well aware of him, but yeah, like you said, I don't know if a lot, like the fan base there knows him as TNT slash, like the modern Savio Vega, or if they know him more as, you know, Savio Vega, the WWF guy in the, ni- the mid nineties, but yeah, probably a little bit of I both, mean, if, probably a little bit of both.
0: If they, if they know the cologne spots, maybe they know him too, or remember him from, from those days. That's entirely possible. But as a total package, this was exactly what this was booked for. For that crowd and the crowd ate it up and it's could have been more of a success damian priest did a great job you know obviously with uh, a celebrity uh bad bunny obviously he didn't have to do a great job he was going to be over his fuck no matter what he did but he was great and it was a, a great spectacle i'll put it that way it was a great spectacle um so yeah it landed for sure and you know they had they, they did the whole deal and this is very unlike WWE so give them a little credit they did the whole deal where damian priest had him beat and picked him up you know so they didn't completely bury damian priest for just losing a street fight to a celebrity you know they kind of told the story that he did really like he beat him but he just wanted to punish him you know and you know bad bunny obviously was going to win the match we all knew that and uh you know he came back and won so it's fun. It, was, yeah, really, it, it was, was really fun. And, it, it, and the I'll, crowd really loved it and everything.
1: Yeah, I'll give credit to Bad Bunny too that he took some spots that I did not. Like, he doesn't have to take a lot of these spots. And I think a lot of it was. Yeah, like you said, they they made Damian Priest look really strong here because he gave Bad Bunny a lot. He gave him—I mean, he put him through that the, the table on the outside with the—I uh, forget exactly what the move was. Some sort of drive, it, it, it kind of like a slam onto a uh, not not exactly a power bomb, but some sort of power slam onto You know, the the, the tables uh, outside the ring or whatever. And Bad Bunny—I mean—he took a lot of punishment here. To and and in the end, you're not thinking, "Oh man, Damian Priest lost." You know, to a to a celebrity. It was like, "Man, Damian Priest." beat the shit out of this guy, had him beat, and then still, you know, Bad Bunny just kind of prevailed and, and was able to kind of keep things going. So, yeah, they did a good job of protecting Priest here, too, where, where like, yeah, he does, like you said, he does not look like a chump uh, losing to this celebrity here, and, and Bad Bunny doesn't feel like you're, you know, you're... you're typical celebrity that won via a banana peel or whatever. I mean, it's like, no, this guy worked his ass off for, for 25 minutes and, and deserved this win just as much as any other wrestler would have deserved his win. And, and obviously he had the X factor of being able to use the weapons and and have the help of, you know, Carlito and, and Savio Vega or whatever. But yeah, that's it's good. They, they, this was booked perfectly from, from beginning to end for all the, the shit that I give WB and all the shit that we, that we collectively give WWE. I mean, this you couldn't have booked this match better than the way you did. It was exactly it maybe got a little too long in the team tooth at certain points like maybe you could have shaved a couple minutes off but that's me just really nitpicking i think from the beginning to the end they nailed this and and, and they deserve credit for 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 figuring it out how to do this perfectly letting the fans go home happy and just yeah just, i thought they just nailed everything about this match just perfect
0: yeah, it felt like a party it felt yeah. like a party what's so special about hero bread soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas these ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar fewer calories and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health shop now at hero.co uh rhea
1: ripley Zelina vega WWE smackdown women's title match here um <laughs> this was the other pretty bad match uh, Zelina, hey, I'm, I'm glad you know. I'm glad she got the Puerto Rican flag and I'm glad everybody was chanting for her and cheering for her and I'm glad that she was emotional and crying, but uh, she was horrible in this match. I thought she was so fucking terrible in this match and, and I'm not blaming Rhea Ripley for this because I've seen Rhea Ripley have some really, really good matches with a lot of, lot of women all across the world. Uh, this was not one of them. This was brutal. I, I thought Zelina Vega well, was fucking I... awful in this match.
0: Well, look, You know, here's the thing Zelina Vega stinks. So it's not a surprise that, you know, she wasn't any good in the match. So what was surprising to me is it was basically a squash. I mean, they didn't even tease. They didn't even give you a second. Bangle.
1: Once that bell rang you know, and she was done showing everybody the Puerto Rican flag or whatever, they were like, "All right, enough of that. <laughs> She's gonna get her ass kicked. All right, so so strap in because uh, you're not getting your, you're gonna get bad bunny in a minute. So just you'll be fine. But right now you're not getting shit because yeah, they decimated her. Rhea just beat her ass here.
0: Good on them for at least booking it. I mean, they went to Puerto Rico. And they gave these Puerto Rican people a Puerto Rican wrestling show the best that they could with their roster. So good on them for booking Vega in the match. They didn't have to do that. WWE, you know how they are with local crowds, thumbing their nose at them. They got a million women they could have put in here. So at minimum, at least they gave them Zelina Vega. And at least they gave Zelina Vega the moment. She was obviously emotional and all that. But uh, then it was just a fucking squash match. So I really don't have much to add. You know, it's, just beat her ass for five minutes and beat her.
1: <laughs> she so beat her, and then they, it. they left Zelina in the ring for a little bit so everybody could cheer for her. Like, hey, yeah, right. thanks for coming. <laughs> and she started crying again. I was like, all right, well, yeah, there you go, well, have fun. But no, that, that that's the way you should have booked it anyway, too, because Rhea Ripley does not need to be giving any offense to Zelina Vega. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, it's there. They they treated they gave Zelina the, the the moment where she came out and she did the entrance and she hugged her family. And then she threw, threw the shoe at Rhea Ripley, and then they were like, all right, now the, uh, that's the end of that. So we're done. Now Rhea's just going to beat you, and, and we're going to move on with our lives. So uh, not yeah. good at all, but uh, the right the right result for sure. Rhea Ripley definitively winning to retain her title. Uh, even though she's on Raw, but she's going to keep the SmackDown title, I guess, for now. I don't know when we're going to do the the switchover thing that we know that they're going to do, or they're just never going to do it. I don't know. Maybe the Ripley will be the SmackDown women's champion on raw and Bianca Belair will be the raw women's it champion on SmackDown. Matter. Who cares? It doesn't It's matter.
0: It's, it's the, the brand split. Isn't real. We all know that it's not going to last. It's there a, has to be rules split. to this thing, Joe. Come on. It's a ratings gimmick. This tournament and this title <laughs> is a ratings gimmick. The thing about this company is nothing they do is for long-term benefit of anything. It's just, what's the next thing that can pop the next number. That's all it is. Even more so when Vince is around, Vince doesn't give a shit about anything long-term. That's going to matter in 20 years. He's not going to be around in 20 years. You know, he just all of these things. And next year, you know, the draft is just a ratings. That's why they stretch it out over like two weeks and four different shows. You know, so um, and the same thing with this title tournament. This is just to, to prop up ratings during the NBA playoffs. That's all any of this is.
1: Uh, Austin Theory, Bobby Lashley, Bronson Reed, uh, U.S. title triple threat match. Uh, yeah, this was this was not good either.
0: I have absolutely nothing to say. It's just <laughs> okay, existing.
1: I was hoping you did because my notes uh There are none. I just I have two. I don't even have a star rating. Did I want? I think I watched it. I'm pretty sure I watched it. My notes have enter. And then I just go right into Selena Baker versus Ripley. So I don't know. Joe, take it away. What do you got to say about the United States triple? threat title match
0: i mean it was there and it existed and it was any second hour raw match you've ever seen in your life i do six minutes
1: 51 seconds austin theory gets the win to retain his title
0: all right that's why i can't that's why i can't (laughs) it's like i can't go all the way and be like oh this is a great show you have the community theater bullshit you have a rhea ripley squash you have this three-way match which was a nothing match you have what we're going to talk about. I love the opener, but there's something about the opener that I hated. Um, it's just too much WWE bullshit creeps into their shows to where there's a, there's just a ceiling on how much I'm ever going to like them. Um, anyway, next match.
1: Yeah, let's talk about uh, Seth Rollins versus almost 10 minutes and 31 seconds. I thought this was awesome. This was good. What do you think of this? I
0: thought Rollins was incredible. Yes, and he
1: because I thought almost couldn't do shit and most and he can't and most people that worked with him have nothing to do with almost. They don't know what to do. Brock tried, but eventually was just like, "Ah, I'm just going to beat this guy's ass. All right, that's it. And everybody else has just kind of worked around the limitations of almost. I got to give credit where it's due here. Seth said, all right, man. What can you do? What can you not do? What can you do? Cool. We're going to do those. What can you not do? That's fine. We're not going to do any of that. I'll do all the work. You stand around and just scream occasionally. And it fucking worked. It was a very good big man, little man, high flyer versus monster. What uh, David versus Goliath, whatever you want to call it. It worked. It was good. It's a classic pro-wrestling story, a classic pro-wrestling match structure, and credit where it's due. They didn't try to reinvent the wheel here. Seth just went and did that match style uh, and did it as good as as I've seen anybody work uh, with a big man in a long, long time, and, and especially with who who is just not very good, but here he looked like he actually is a competent pro-wrestler when he's not.
0: You know, one of the misused terms... Uh, is carry job. People will throw that around and say that somebody carried someone in a match. And this is a carry job. This is like the perfect example. One that you can point to when people try to use that term or ask, you know, what does it mean when, when someone, when there's a carry job in pro wrestling, like this was clearly it, you know, because it was one guy really carrying the weight almost entirely on his shoulders for, for the match and getting something out of someone who, like you said, no one else has been able to get anything out of this guy. And Seth Rollins went in there and actually had a good match with him. Yeah. Which is like the unthinkable to have a good match with almost who just isn't any good. Um, You know, Seth This probably isn't the right time to bring this up, but I, I still say I do think he's going to end up in AEW one day, and I, I think he's going to have a hell of a run. I I I think that a lot of his rah-rah stuff is just him being a good company man. I I don't believe any of these people are loyal to any of these companies. Some of them are, but very few of them are. And I think that if you read between the lines with a lot of his comments, you know, how he wants to be a top guy, but he knows that he can't ever be with Roman around. He has said that. And he just strikes me as the kind of guy who at some point is going to want a new challenge and a new environment. And a place where he has more of a fair shot to be the top guy. Uh, do I think he could be the top guy in AEW? I don't. I don't know. But does he think he can be? That's all that really matters. And he's been talking a lot of smack about how it's just—it's—he knows it's not going to happen for him here. And he's getting a little older. He's got more money than he can ever spend, between him and his wife, being the huge stars and millionaires many times over. You know he's obviously got pals in that other company. I could see it. I mean, you know, he's having a time of his life right now doing this character, and but he's right. He'll never be the top guy here. And and if he if he's He's, driven, he might win this dopey.
1: He's he might win this dopey third title, but I I
0: think he's gonna win it. And he he
1: he, but he knows, and everybody knows. Like those those guys in the company know what this title is.
0: It doesn't mean right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they of course. So, um. Long-term, I think that's something to keep an eye on. So, I don't know. Like I said, this was probably not the right time to have that discussion, but I don't know. He he was really good here, though.
1: He was. He was fantastic Um, guy. Credit where it's due. You know, we, we laugh about freaking a lot or whatever, but yeah, he, he, this, this was, this was this guy coming to work and saying, I'm going to, I'm going to make a fucking hell of a match out of this guy. Like, you give me this challenge. That
0: was a, that was a, that was a pro. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You're going to you give me this challenge that. of this guy. That's a stiff and nobody knows what to do with him. And no one's had a good match yeah. with him. Fuck all you. I'm going to prove that I, you can have a good match with this guy. That, that was one of those matches. That, that was one of those. you walk to the back and say, that's how it's done. You know what I mean? That's yeah, how you have a is- match.
0: This is Ric Flair in 1990 working with El Gigante and the Junkyard Dog. Yes. That's what this was. Yeah. If people need a comp. An extremely dated comp. But,
1: <laughs> but, but a comp. Yeah.
0: That's, that's the comp. I mean, when Flair was having those matches, no one could believe how good the matches he was having with El Gigante and the Junkyard Dog in 1990. That's what this was.
1: Uh, and then the opener. I, I think for most people, probably uh, you know, neck and neck with 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 Bad Bunny and Damian Priest is their match of the night. Uh, Bianca Belair and Io Sky. Uh, Bianca does win uh, eighteen minutes and one second. So now I thought this was pretty damn good, but I am fascinated to hear you said you had one big gripe about the match. Uh, what was the gripe you had? I'm 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 very very curious.
0: My gripe is this was trending to be a great match, not a good one. Okay. Fucking rules. You had a crowd that wasn't going along and they were cheering for the wrong person. I love that. Now, I will deduct because, and it's not their fault, but the wrestlers didn't go with it. And I understand in WWE, you're not allowed. The agent tells you what to do, lays out the story, and then you got to go out there and tell it. I get that. In a perfect world, EO Sky starts playing to the crowd and Bianca starts working heel, they're not going to do that in this company. Okay? I went to a WCW house show in 1991, and I saw Arn Anderson and Barry Windham wrestle the wild-eyed Southern boys, Tracy Smothers and Steve Armstrong. And uh, I don't think they were the Young Pistols yet. I think they were still the wild-eyed Southern boys, Rich. And that Meadowlands crowd was all about the horsemen. And... We turned the wild-eyed Southern boys heel that night because all four of those guys went with it. And that, to this day, what is that, 33 years ago? Yeah. 32 years ago, whatever it was. To this day is one of the most memorable live matches I've ever seen. I I, I remember with a photographic memory, okay, Arn Anderson hitting a spine buster on Tracy Smothers and getting up and waving his arms up in the in the air to get the crowd going. And they were at heels, but they went with it, but they went with it. And it was the hottest match of the night because of it. Okay. And you can't do that in WWE. I understand that, but they still had a great match. And then we got the damage control shit at
1: the end. Yeah. Okay. I, I figured, and, I figured the end was exactly what, cause I, the, I couldn't figure out what your complaint could have been in the first, you know, 17 minutes and 50 seconds of this match, which were just these two women beating the ever living shit out of each other. Just like, so great. in a way that most WWE women's matches don't contain like this level of just like, they were just out there fucking throwing down. You know I mean? Just uh, Bianca Belair is so good. And, and, and you know, Io Scott, Shirai speaks for herself as well, but they just went out. They were just brutalizing each other. Big spots, big bombs, just good action, hot crowd. Yeah, everything was great. But yeah, I, I figured the last 10 seconds of this match is what really soured you on it, and, and rightfully so.
0: Bianca dropped her on her head. On the press slam, did you catch that? Yeah,
1: she did. Where's- yeah, she's selling her shoulder, so she's she lifts her up, but then goes ah, I can't hold her up because of my shoulder. So then she just with one hand drops her on her fucking neck, and and drops her I- on her fucking head. Yeah, I'm sure it was a planned spot. Like I don't know if it was supposed to. I should maybe it was supposed to, you know, turn around a little bit more or get down a little bit more, but it worked out perfectly. You know, it was fine, and and it made the match that much better, man. You know, sometimes it's 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 not ballet out there, like you you always like to say. I mean, it it, it worked for the spot. Yeah, Bianca, you know couldn't lift her anymore she just dropped on her fucking head and it was it made me stand up and, and and take notice and yeah the rest of the match was better for it
0: but i mean the run-in ruined a great match and i know they're planting seeds of dissension with damage control like i could give a fuck
1: <laughs> can you okay? oh you're on you're on and, the edge of your seat wondering if and when Damage control is going to break up. Ah, who knows?
0: How could anyone possibly care?
1: This team that never Uh, wins, (laughs) never does anything.
0: But but my thing is, if Bianca was going to win anyway, why don't you just have her win and then do your goofy angle afterwards? But I guess the idea is you have to have EO think that Bailey costs her the match, right? That's the idea behind it. But you could have Bianca win and have damage control come out and then have Bailey accidentally hit EO Scott. There's other things you can do, right? It just ruined the match for me. And um, I don't know what's wrong with Bailey, but she has just not been the same in any regard since she came back from the injury. Her promos stink. Okay. Her matches aren't any good. And she couldn't even get this run in right. Like she, she runs in and gets in the ring and she's supposed to get thrown out of the ring. She can't even take a simple out of the ring bump properly. She like gets tied up in the bottom rope. What the fuck is wrong with Bailey?
1: Yeah, her she legs don't seem city. to work anymore. I, I don't know, yeah, I'm not sure what happened.
0: You know, everybody's busy focusing on the dopey outfit she was wearing, like with the holes on the legs. Like was that supposed to be like everyone thinks that was some kind of salacious outfit. I didn't no. think it was cuz that holes <laughs> like, I guess like if you're 13,
1: I guess if it's if you're 13 like you know a, 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 a fraction of Bailey's exposed buttocks would uh, would get you moving but yeah I don't okay great cool yeah, I, I mean
0: don't. everyone's focused. how about we focus on the fact that she can't take a basic out of the ring bump anymore like what's <laughs> wrong with her Yeah I don't know like there's something wrong with like she n- she is not either she is completely checked out and watching the clock and that's possible
1: that's very possible with her
0: because she's seeing all the fun that fucking Monet is having out there. And, uh, well, she seems to travel quite
1: well. She seems to travel quite yeah. well to uh, to other shows very often.
0: Yeah, she's following her around, trotting with her, watching her wrestle. And maybe she's getting the itch to do something a little more creative now that the money has been made. You know what I mean? I don't know. Or for all I know, she's under contract for four more years. I don't fucking know. All I know is she stinks now. And there was definitely a time where I would have argued she was the best of the four. Oh, yeah, for sure bell to bell she was never the biggest star ever but i would have argued during certain periods that she was the best bell to bell because she was the cleanest worker without a doubt we all know charlotte's not a clean worker we all know sasha isn't a clean worker and we know becky just is an average pro wrestler that's is that fair to say
1: uh yeah that's this argument yeah no i know people pretend but yeah she's she's average
0: but the biggest star you know, she she became the biggest star. She peaked higher than Sasha. If and if if, if you know, I don't want to get in. There, she undoubtedly peaked as a bigger star than Sasha Banks. You want to argue Sasha's a bigger star overall? Go have that argument. I'm not I'm not interested in it. But the thing with Bailey is she was never the biggest star. But I it I, I, and but I, and her matches may not have peaked as high as Charlotte's matches do or Sasha's matches do. Like. If you plotted out the four of them and and ranked them in every category, Bailey wouldn't like win any of them. But I think she's like the most. I'd argue she was the most solid worker of the four. I, not anymore. Like she's, I think she's bad. I don't know what's going on. Injury and age catching up or motivation. I don't know what it is. But even this run-in was pretty embarrassing. But uh, look, still a really good match. It just, man, I was really getting into this match and. Then they sports entertainment it up, you know, and it's just
1: yeah for people that did not know. see the finish, the, the, what was going on is is Io was on the top rope, ready to kind of finish off Bianca Belair, and Bailey ran in and started holding on to Bianca's hair, and then the referee was like, "Hey, don't do that," and I guess that point two seconds where the referee was like, "Hey, don't do that." Bianca shot up and then threw Eo off the top rope and then like that's how she won it was like oh okay like it was weird you know what I mean it was done in a very yeah. like because like you said because Bailey kind of missed her spot and didn't do it right away so it looked dumb where Eo went to the top rope and like had the match won. it was ready to go it was like all she had to do was fall down and yeah Bianca you know the referee has to like glance over and be like, Hey, don't, don't touch her hair. What are you doing? And then I guess that's enough for the opening to, yeah, it was again, just really weird. And, and just, yeah, it, it put a little bit of a sour note, but I still think this match was pretty fucking great. So, uh, and, and they've had a good, the women in, in WWE have had a good year with, uh, WrestleMania night one with Charlotte and Rhea, which was great on uh, this match, which was great. They, they've done a pretty good job this year. They've had some pretty high level matches, but, uh, uh, yeah, damage control, not, uh, not as excited for the future of damage control. Poor, so. Poorly,
0: poorly booked division. Yeah, where there have been, you know, at least on the pay per views, like you're saying some very good matches, no doubt about it.
1: Yeah, they they don't they have no idea what to do with Becky, so she's fucking around with a heel Trish Stratus. <laughs> the damage control just loses all the time, but we're supposed to pretend that they don't lose all the time for some reason. It, it's it's all it's all strange, but all right. Yeah. And there you go. That was WWE Backlash from Puerto Rico. And uh, there you go. So now we got about an hour, Joe, to get to all of these other... Uh, just, again, I said, this is not a bounce on Japan. This is a classic 2014 flagship. We got to talk Big Japan. We got to talk Dragon Gate. We got to talk about Champion Carnival. And we got to talk about Shotaro Ashino. Uh, Joe, where do you want to start? The floor is, uh, is yours. I'll let you choose.
0: Where I would start is there's a theme to these matches this week. And that's all of these promotions giving new blood a chance. And we've talked about that with new Japan over the last couple of weeks. And that's, it's, it's, it's exciting and it's fresh and it's good. And we're seeing that happen in a lot of promotions in Japan right now. And, you know, I have to give big Japan credit because, you know, Eighteen hundred and twenty-eight fans in that Yokohama, that little Yokohama bunker building there. That that might not make anybody's head turn for a bigger company, but they've had a really rough go since the pandemic. And to do almost two thousand fans for that show, and then crown a new champion, and and in in a shock, really a shocking win. No one really expected this, and to beat the guy that he beat, Okabayashi, who's been the mainstay there for years and years and years and uh you know that, that was and, and the show was great the entire endless survivor show from start to finish was a great show and you know we'll we'll get to it um but then all Japan finally pulling the trigger on Shitero Ashino and then you know he gets injured he breaks his arm unfortunately in the final 30 seconds of that match which is just crushing it reminds me of Finn Balor winning the universal title and then getting injured immediately and then they never went back to him um uh, that's what this reminded me of. They finally pulled the trigger on Ashino, who we had written off for dead four weeks ago on this show. And they go all the way with him. He wins the tournament. He gets hurt. But again, an example, trying someone new and then dragon gate, which is where I think we should start, you know, with Kakuta, mm-hmm. and they tell this story of what is a year. Was it was a year ago or two years, ago. two years ago.
1: Yeah. For people that don't know. And obviously if you want even more details about this, a uh, great review done by case low, I've uh, voicesofwrestling. dot uh, All into the story, the background, and, and links to everything, and 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 gifts and whatnot of the entire story uh, of Kakuta. We'll we'll kind of do the cliff notes here, but uh, yeah, two years ago, he is in a match with Shun Skywalker for the Dream Gate. It's like the biggest spot of, of his career, and they do a drop to hold, a drop to hold. Joe, how many times does a professional wrestler do a drop to hold with no problem well, whatsoever?
0: John Moxley did one in that bloodbath of a cage match last night. Yep. I mean, yeah, it's just common move.
1: Yeah, every every every, every couple weeks into wrestling school, you're probably doing drop to holds to guys. You know, to, to does a drop to hold, shoulder blows out, done. He tries to he tries to continue the match because it's the biggest spot he's ever been in, and the other wrestlers are like, no, 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 don't do. It. And Shun Skywalker's even like, what the fuck? And it's it's chaos because they don't know what the fuck to do. It's the main event. It's a big time spot. It's, a, it's 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 minutes into the match what the hell are we going to do here eventually they throw in the towel for the guy and they just say no you the match is over we got to end this thing you can't work your shoulders fucked we know it's fucked you know it's fucked it's over and shoot skywalkers like it's all a weird moment Shun skywalkers pissed because he's thinking well what the fuck man we just blew this main event like what do we do you know like everybody the tensions were high for everybody not not nobody's mad at kakuda it's just kind of like everyone's annoyed because this match has ended in seconds or whatever so yeah and- he has yeah, and
0: and they're trying to plant the seeds for a generational rivalry and all of those yeah, things. right,
1: right. They wanted so much out of this match, and they got a minute, and this guy's shoulder blew out, and it's like
0: fuck. All right, and but now yeah. they've spun it into a positive.
1: They spun it into a positive, and and then yeah, he worked his way back, and worked his way back, and worked his way back, and he you know came back last year at Dead or Alive, and 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 now he's back here at, at this show, and he's in the main event, and he beats Shun Skywalker. To win the match, and it's a match that was filled with callbacks. You know, they do oh, yeah. they do a drop toll hold, and the crowd goes oh, yeah. and Kakuda's is kind of on the ground for a little bit, and like a little longer than you would be for a drop toll hold. And Shun Skywalker, who's such a fucking shit, it's just the, the 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 biggest fucking asshole in Dragon Gate. It's just like ha 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 ha, ha. You know, he, he's done he, it again. People have to
0: understand. It's like the first time they wrestled, both of these guys were in very different places. Shun yes. Skywalker was still this baby face who had just. They had, they had just crowned him, you know, the, the, the champion, and he's this baby face guy and this baby face high-flyer, and it's hip-hop Kakuta, I think, at that point, yeah. mm-hmm. where, where he's still doing his baby's first gimmick kind of deal that Dragon Gate does with everybody, right? And they're kind of just planting the seeds for this to become a, a future generational rivalry where they're going to have all the, you know... So they were in very different places at the time of the first match. So what people have to understand about Shun Skywalker now is he's gone insane. Yeah, the he is story and fucking the nuts. Is he's a crazy person and he wears all black. You know, it's not subtle. He's a fucking bad guy and he wears all black and he's crazy. And, you know, he's cut down on the flying to some degree. And, you know, and, and he's just he le- like you're saying, he laughs at people's misfortune. He's evil. he makes goat noises.
1: Evil. He just makes goat makes noises for no reason.
0: <laughs> he's evil in a in a I'm unbalanced and I'm crazy way. It's not the traditional pro wrestling heel. I'm going to poke you in the eyes and hold the tights. He's crazy is the idea here. He's gone nuts. The whole masquerade. You could take the, this is dragon gate. So of course there's a lore, you know, the whole masquerade breakup and all of that. And, 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 you know, it's, it has all made this man a crazy person. So, they're in very different places right now, and and yes, you know I didn't mean to cut you off, but that's kind of like, you know why he was behaving the way he was in the match. But,
1: but right, right, and then 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 they just had a really 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 good like a real solid Dragon Gate main event, uh, hard hitting. Uh, you know, Kakuta gets up. You know, the the shoulder's fine, and and he has to prove it to himself. He takes the exact same move. He sits in the ring for a little bit everyone's a little bit nervous shooting skywalkers laughing and then he just gets up and goes nope i'm good and then just starts going at this guy and then the rest of the match is all about how he's persevering and how he's building it up. and 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 yeah just a really 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 good main event here they 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 beat the ever-living shit out of each other again so in a way it wasn't like a classic dragon gate main event it's not like a dragon Gate main event from like 2013 or whatever but a little bit more of what the house style is these days and, and what these guys work as which is not a bunch of crazy high flying or whatever, and, and and Dragon Gate never was just that. I think that's always kind of been a misnomer that people thought is every Dragon Gate match was everybody just doing gigantic flips and running as fast as possible and and being Masato Yoshino. And that, that's not the case. You know, there were some hard hitters in there too. Shingo, of course, uh, uh, you know the hardest of, of the hitters. But uh, yeah, I thought this was good. I, I thought they're throwing bombs at each other, big kickouts, big moves back and forth, and Kakuta eventually gets the win and uh, wins the title. Obviously, wins the Dream Gate. Uh, and just a memorable, memorable moment. And just I thought a really, 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 really fun match here uh, from Dragon Gate. What would you think of this one?
0: Yeah, they worked it entirely around the events of the match from two years ago. And and you know what Dragon Gate does for their big shows as well is during intermission, for the for the for the home crowd, they for the people watching at home, they you don't just get a hard camera view of fans mulling around the building. What they do is they show you an old match. And the match they showed was the match where Kakuta blew out his shoulder. So um, even during the show, they were hammering home this, this, this story. Um, And then, you know, he does the drop toe hold, you know, early in the match. And then the entire, the match is built around shooting Skywalker going after this motherfucker's shoulder. So like you're saying, this is not some stereotypical. I don't even know if it's true anymore. Dragon Gate style match. I don't even know if the stereotype is true, but that's how this was. This was, old-school classic wrestling psychology. That's what this was. And the babyface overcoming it, and his self-doubt, and his injury, and two years of climbing back to the top.
1: Right, and did it with Lariats, too. Did it with that shoulder, because a lot of the match was shooting Skywalker daring Kakuta, hey, hit me with that arm. No, try that arm. You know, hit me with that arm. And eventually Kakuta being like, all right, motherfucker, and just takes his head off with Lariats to end it. Saying, no, the shoulder's good, man. Trust me, the shoulder's fine.
0: Yeah, and... You know, the first match was less than one year into Kakuta's career, and he was already getting a title shot. And he wins it here, and I think he was the fastest wrestler to win and open the Dreamgate title. And I think he's the youngest as well, if I recall properly. And, um, you know, they they told, you know, they turned that massive negative, something nobody had planned for, into a, a positive positive. And turned it into telling a story. And so often in pro wrestling that happens where you get something, you don't know. How many times have we talked about bookers being forced to do something because of stuff out of their control. And it often leads to the best and most creative stuff that they, that they do because it's, it's like you're challenged and they made a positive out of that unfortunate five minute match two years ago and turned it into a great story. And now this guy on a on a major show, you know, in uh, you know, uh, in in front of you know twenty seven hundred people in that building in Aichi for Dead or Alive. It's kind of weird watching a Dead or Alive show without a wacky cage match. I have to admit. I know.
1: You know I, I didn't realize it until the match was over and I just, or the show was over and I went, "Oh my god, no cage!" You're right. Holy shit. <laughs>
0: you're waiting for the wacky cage match. It's a different Dragon Gate. It, yeah. it, it, this is not your big brother's Dragon Gate, you know. And for better or worse. And, um, you know, but this worked, this was a great match. I went four and a quarter plus on this one. Um, you know, and, and yeah, I'm four and a half, I'm
1: four and a half. So I, I I think case was four and three quarters with this too. And, and obviously he's going to have a little bit more emotional investment than than both of us as uh, you know, somebody who watches everything from dragon gate and, and studies the, the promotion, but it's, it's, it's a match that I think if you're listening to this, you owe it to yourself to go out and watch this match.
0: Yeah, it's classic pro wrestling, and and you know the post match promo, you know, it's it's Kakuta. He he talked about how him and Skywalker and Strong Machine J and uh, Yoshioka and Ben K and um Kota Minora, Kota Minora, Kota is the sixth guy, and as the new Big Six. And for those who don't know, the Big Six, the last generation Big Six, Shima had deemed. Uh, Takagi, Shingo, Yamato, Doi, Yoshino, Tozawa, and Hulk as the big six. And obviously Tozawa is gone. Hulk is a shell of his former self, although he's looked better lately.
1: Yeah, I was going to uh, say, I was going to put that in my review if we talked about his match uh, uh, in the show. He He's, I don't know if it's Fountain of Youth. I'm not going to quite say Fountain of Youth, but uh, he looked washed a couple years ago, and he looks a lot better now.
0: Yoshino retired, Doi freelancer. Uh, Takagi, New Japan, Yamato, really the only one that's still kicking around in anywhere near his prime. So this is the new generation, and man, did he just put pressure on himself and those other five. And I can't really take issue with the six that they've chosen. You know, it's 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 the right ones. Those are the and guys.
1: Yeah, those are the guys.
0: It's, it's, it's interesting to see strong Machine J in there because – I don't think a couple of years ago, anyone would have imagined that we all kind of thought, well, a lot of people kind of thought that that initial six man run where they were the triangle gate champions with the, Whatever happened to Strong Machine uh, G and Strong Machine uh, I don't know uh, what those F. guys
1: are doing. Yeah, I what don't know happened what those to them? guys. They they just, they, uh, they they ran out of oil or something and they're they're gone. The mach- so yeah. They
0: broke down and were unable to be fixed. I yeah, That was true. I think I think
1: uh, I think Jay at one point said they were s- supply chain issues with their parts. So unfortunately, that, ah. I don't think they ever got rebuilt, which is a shame.
0: Unfortunate. But uh, Strong Machine but a lot of people thought that was just a gimmick run and that was, you know, once that ran its course, that'd be it for Strong Machine J. And it would be off to the prelims for the rest of his career with, you know, the the rest of the punch Tamanagas of the world. But no. And, you know, even his last big main event match, I thought, again, was very atypical of what you normally think of a Dragon Gate style match. You know, and I I firmly believe he belongs in that group. And, you know, uh, New Japan passed up on him. You know, it's no secret. So... You know, his, his father, you would think with his father's connection, but obviously New Japan wasn't interested. He ended up with Dragon Gate. And look, I I don't think there's any question. He's probably going to end up, when you look back 15, 20 years from now, pushed harder here than he would have been pushed in New Japan. I don't know what he looks like. But, um, you know, in the fate because that, that matters a lot. In New Japan and, you know, uh, but you would think he would have been a masked wrestler. Maybe they weren't interested in continuing the strong machine. Gift. Yeah, I don't I know.
1: They, I, I'm guessing they probably just but, didn't want a masked guy and they weren't really excited about pushing a masked wrestler as their top star type of thing.
0: Yeah, so. it's just not what they do right now. So it's like he ends up here and I think, you know, ultimately, in, at least in terms of push, it'll probably work out for him money. I, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe it's better off being a lower mid card guy in New Japan than being a main eventer in Dragon Gate. I don't. I don't know the answer to that, but um. But at any rate, he's in. He's in this new big six, and now all eyes are going to be on these guys. So, again, I think the theme today, mm-hmm. as it's been with New Japan, is new faces in these places getting honest opportunity.
1: Yeah, it, it's so good, too. And I, I'm I'm glad that I'm, I'm so glad that that is the theme, because there was a while there. Where, and we've had those discussions from 2020 up through it was really 2020 and 2021. And obviously, 2020 throws a whole wrench in the things because of the pandemic. But 2021 felt like a year where, you know, now in hindsight, it was a lot of people desperate to collect as much money and as much tickets as they possibly can to make up for what happened in 2020. And and the way that a lot of people decided to do that was we just gotta go back to the past. Stars of the past, stars of the past, stars of the, the only way we're gonna get people back in these buildings and people back buying our stuff and buying merch and and coming to the shows and coming to the, the is the old guys. And and everywhere across Japanese wrestling, it felt like everybody was just so you know, apprehensive to pushing the next generation and getting those next guys over, and that is not the case anymore, man. I, 2023 has been a completely different transformation in that way, and a lot of the stuff that I disliked about Japanese wrestling for the last couple of years is almost completely gone. I mean, it, 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 almost in every single company, too, it has moved on, and instead it's all about the next generation. Okay, we made our money back. We're, we're, we're back. We're stable. Okay, who's up next? Who's, who are the next guys that are going to draw and, and, and deliver us into the next decade plus or whatever? And now I am... All the way here for it man i am all here for it because i think it's absolutely the way uh, uh to go and it, it's going to make it for a much healthier and a much better uh wrestling scene that looks very dire at times uh, over the last couple of years but um
0: real yes, quick I look, wanted... it's, oh, it's go ahead. no it's no secret why you know like all japan and noah are working closely with one another and new japan has loaned out people like yuji nagata and satoshi kojima to the other groups over the last year year and a half and we're going to get another all together show and all of these things are happening because the mindset's a little different in Japan. And we've seen this happen during other times of strife and other times of the business being in trouble. The companies will come together and help each other. You know, we've seen NOAA and New Japan help each other out with the Muto stuff and everything. You go right down, there's a million examples right now since the pandemic. Whereas in America, that would never happen. You know, it's if, if, know we had the pandemic here too and it's not like you saw wwe reaching out a helping hand to aew to say hey let's pull out of this together and no that would never happen here okay now in japan you know these companies are definitely rivals and internally in bushi road they see cyber fight as a threat and there was a lot of jealousy with the muto show outdrawing wrestle kingdom and there was a lot of fear it would outdraw wrestle kingdom but they still were involved and helped and they still sent Tetsuya Naito to the carnival finals this week. And you're going to see that in Japan and we've seen it historically. They're going to try to help each other pull out of this because the idea is if we help each other and we lift pro wrestling as a whole, we can all get each other out of this. Yes. So even though new Japan has this insane, you know, business edge over all these other groups, you know, they're not going to isolate themselves and thumb their nose and tell them all the fuck off. They're going to do what they can to work together while keeping each other at arm's length. Okay. It, you know, there's still, you know, but, but that's why you're seeing this in all of these promotions and all of these promotions working together. Nail Michi worked this Dragon Gate show.
1: Yep. You Kano know? did it, too. Kano was there as
0: well. Right. So... You know, it's 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 that's why you're seeing this stuff because I know people have asked us well, if if Bushi Road doesn't want the Muto Show to outdraw Wrestle Kingdom, why are they provide? Why do they keep sending? It? Because it's just a different mindset. That's there. just how the business just, is there.
1: Yeah, and, and yeah, and it it's happened time and time again, and and yeah, it it it's usually it, it's usually a sign that it's not healthy. You know what I mean? It, it's usually it, a sign it, that's that, exactly it. Yeah. Yes. That's there exactly was a it. lot of joint shows if you go back and look at so oh, I don't know 2004 to 2000 you know 2010 right. uh, Japanese wrestling a lot of joint shows, a lot of whoa no and all Japan working together whoa a new Japan Noah. a lot of joint shows not because the business was healthy because the business was unhealthy so yeah it, it's it's and it makes for fun things but yeah everybody would rather just do their own thing and make their own money but but you know yeah it's all about yeah everybody else rising up hopefully and and, and moving into the future
0: arm's length i mean there was that funny quote when they when when kento Miyahara at the all at the all together presser they asked him who he wants to wrestle and he wouldn't answer he was scared to answer he the translated answer was something like look no matter what i say i'm gonna get in trouble with my boss <laughs> right. you know so it's like it, so he just didn't answer it you know it's like it's still very much arm's length and political and all those things but um but yeah, they're more apt to help each other out. But um kind of got off the point here. I guess we should get back to this Dragon Gate show and-
1: Yeah, r- real quick uh before we go Case wrote this uh in his review for for Dragon. I think it's pretty poignant given, you know, some of the stuff that we've talked about before. Uh, I says Dragon Gate paid off a two year story in the most satisfying way possible. No one had to jump through hoops, overcome odds or do anything other than win. And over the last year, um, uh, Kakuda has done a lot of winning in an era where so many promotions dropped the ball with their version of storytelling. Dragon Gate reminded us how simple wrestling can be and how satisfying it is when good overcomes evil.
0: Yeah. I kind of disagree with him a little. I think Kakuda did have to overcome some things and that's okay. That's classic pro wrestling storytelling. But he's right in the fact that this was just a simple, classic pro wrestling story that anyone can watch and relate to, Yeah. whether you're a wrestling fan or not. And that's the key here. And the other key is they delivered. They they stuck the landing. They finished the story. Become,
1: they finished their story.
0: Yeah, it's become one of our new pet terms, right? Sticking the landing. And they, they stuck the landing. And that's what he's trying to say, you know. And it's uh, where some other companies haven't stuck the landing lately. Dragon Gate did with this one.
1: Uh, all right, we can uh, quickly go through the rest of the show because I don't have a ton of thoughts about a lot of the other matches here. I will say, uh, Kano in Dragon Gate, I think I like it. I want, I think I want Kano in Dragon Gate all the time. What, what do you, th- what do you think about this? It was Congo, uh, it was Kano and Shuji Kondo who are the uh, Twin Gate champions, uh, and they faced the Zebrats team of Kai uh, and Ishin. And Kano did Kano things—just stiff fucking kicks, stiff chops. At one point, he break, you know, he busts Ishin open, his mouth's bleeding all over the place, and. I gotta say, man, I think I'm a, I'm all in on Cano being a Dragon Gate
0: full time. That would rock. I'm all about Cano being on any show. He should he should come to Dynamite. He should show up on SmackDown. Love it, love uh, it. He 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 should he should pop up on uh, West Coast Pro and and attack Vinny Massaro. He should uh, and stick him in that body bag. He should he should just send Cano everywhere.
1: He's pretty the good. Guy's
0: a fucking yeah. He's he's a fucking gem, is what he is. He, he I have no issue with Cano. Popping up
1: anywhere. Uh, I thought this was pretty fun here. Eleven minutes, fifteen seconds. Uh, the Congo team retains the title. Uh, yeah, good, good stuff here. Just it, it's exactly. I mean, Kano is hard hitting as hell. Suji Kondo can still go to a uh, to a certain level there. So. Uh, yeah, pretty good stuff here. And I thought Ishin was, was, was pretty good. Ishin the, the Z uh, Kai was, Kai was kind of alarm for the ride on this match. And, and I'm, I'm not as hard on Kai as I used to be, but uh, in this match, he didn't really need to really do much. Cause it was Ishin getting his ass kicked by Kano and, and, and Tsuji Kondo, uh, the entire time, which definitely matched the story. So that was cool. And then, uh, yeah, I don't know. Is there anything else on the show that really, really stood out to you that you wanted to give some time to, or, or do you want to just quickly go through the rest of the, uh, the results?
0: No, I thought, you know, there wasn't anything else on this show that I thought was anything I would recommend the audience go seek out. Um, The Jason Lee Dragon Daya match was okay, but I I was a little let down by it. Um, Doi came back for this show. He's been, he was just most recently on the Champion Carnival Tour in the Junior Tag Battle of Glory tournament. Um, But he, he was back for this. Um, like I said, Marufuji worked this show with Dragon Kid against Yamato and Yoshioka, and then he did a comedy match with, with Stalker Ishikawa. Uh, the Triangle Gate match, did that do much for you? It didn't do much for me, uh, okay.
1: you know, not really. I, I kind of thought it was, uh, yeah, I, I was a little disappointed. A lot of the other title matches I was a little disappointed by, uh, the, the Dream Gate. Uh, I loved and the swing gate, I, I, I liked as well. Everything else on the show was just kind of okay. Or just kind of there for me, uh, the triangle gate yeah. and, and, and triangle gates usually don't land with me all that much. Like even, even in the, in the, the glory days, I was kind of indifferent to a lot of the triangle gate matches, but yeah, I don't know. This one just didn't, uh, I thought BB Hulk looked good though. And that's kind of where I was going to put my point that like, you know, the idea that he was washed a couple years ago, which I think he truly, it felt like, okay, They have to like take this guy out and out back and and maybe tell him you got to go, pal. You know where where Yoshina was still really good and then like his body just couldn't do it anymore and it was like man, what a what a what a cruel. You know true uh, thing that is where it's like Yoshino can still go but he just can't you know what I mean he just his body won't do it and BB Hulk is like still going but it looks like his body just doesn't want to or he doesn't want to or whatever but he, he's kind of changed that a little bit he, he he's been better in this gold class run uh but yeah that triangle get match did not do a whole lot for me and I, I kind of agree with you that Jason Lee and, and, and Dragon Die, I was really excited about that and it just kind of was there and 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 I I really think Dra- Jason Lee is solid as hell and and, and Daya too who I think is good but yeah that just it, it wasn't bad it just wasn't it was a ton and and uh, obviously you had uh, i didn't
0: think any i didn't think anything on the show was bad
1: no 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 everything was 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 decent but yeah it's it's nothing else that i'm like oh you got to go out of your way to watch you got to go out of your way to watch the dream gate i would watch the twin gate and i'd
0: watch the twin gate too
1: yeah and then i that's probably all that i could say you absolutely have to watch uh the dragon you might like
0: you might like the brave gate more than we did maybe yeah yeah but you're not gonna be blown away by it
1: and then uh, Naomi Michi and, and Dragon Kid versus Yamato and, and, and Yushi Yoshioka was was fine. And then Marufujin beat up uh, you know Ishikawa uh, in, in two minutes after the match too. So you got that. But uh, that's Dragon Gate uh, again. For more coverage on Dragon Gate, of course, listen to Open the Voice Gates here on the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network. Also, the uh, review of Dead or Alive up at Voices of from Case. Definitely recommend. Uh, that for a little bit more details about the Kakuta uh story and and the match with skywalker but uh yeah let's let's talk about uh putting new guys over Joe. All Japan Pro Wrestling Champion Carnival Final after what feels like 10 years of this show. And I know, I know it's been, from the moment I watched Russell 1, I remember I remember the conversation that it was one of the first few times that I watched Wrestle 1. And I said, Joe, I'm all in on this Ashino guy. I don't know if he's going to do anything. I don't know, but I'm planting my flag on Ashino. And it's been a struggle. There's been ups and downs. And obviously, Wrestle 1 re- went away. And then he went to All Japan in, in one of its most dire times. And I'm thinking, oh, man, here we go. He's gonna to come to All Japan and they're gonna put him over right away because here's this guy who's got charisma. He 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 he's a decent enough wrestler. All Japan has nobody else and they got this guy because Wrestle One closed. Here we go and then it took about three years or so until they finally did it, Joe. And they did. Give me fuel, give me fire. Uh, Shatara Hashino, the new star of. Oh, I'm being told that he injured his arm and he's out for a very long time. Okay, never mind. Sorry, never mind. Man. Shit. Fuck. <laughs> fuck. Fuck. Fuck.
0: Fuck. <laughs> All right. Man, you know, and, <laughs> <Shit>. um, really <laughs> fractured ulna, yeah, what? And, <laughs> and you know, I, I thought it Damn was a great match, I thought it was a great match. And he beat the uh, another company's champion, you know, the Gleet Tyrannosaurus Rex champion, T Hawk, or G, what's it called? I the believe it's the G
1: Rex, but I like the idea of it being uh, the Tyrannosaurus Rex, I, I enjoy that too. Yeah, I believe it, I believe it's the G Rex title.
0: I'll tell you, those title matches, I'm a Gleet guy now. I don't know if you knew Are that, you a full fledged Gleet guy? No. Oh but it. Uh, those <laughs> damn it. Those title those title matches have been good this year. The Gleet title matches. They've been um I've been I've been watching them. Yeah, you know, you're not, and, you're not and,
1: a Gleet and, guy, but you're not a Gleet denier anymore, which is, is, is good. We need we needed you to just get to that level. That's okay.
0: I'm not gonna sit there and watch Gleet cosplay UWFI. I'm oh no, oh god no. Easy
1: skip on but, all those. Easy skip on all those for I mean, sure.
0: You know, I'm, you know, this hobby is dorky enough. I've got other shit to do than watch Glee cosplay UWFI. But, uh, no, so he beats T-Hawk, who, in one of the, if not the best match of the, uh, of the, uh, of the carnival, you know, one of the two or three best matches of the carnival, for sure. And, uh, unfortunately, we think he broke his arm in the last, 30 to 60 seconds of the match there and um, he's not going to get the title shot now and the momentum will be lost by the time he comes back and that's why it's eerily reminiscent of Finn Balor getting hurt right after winning universal title because we saw what happened they never put him back in that top spot again. He never even had close to the opportunity to be back in that top Right? Spot. They, either,
1: they either never trusted him again or that was just the right time in the right place. And when he came back, that it was, was like, it. we moved yep. on. We moved on and, and we moved on without you. So, sorry, pal.
0: So much of pro wrestling is timing. And that was the timing. And then the timing was never right again. And now he's a 40-year-old guy who's playing second fiddle to Dominic. You know, and that's just... He'll never be back in that spot again. So, you worry about something like this. Because when he comes back... I'm not saying that they they won't try and go back to him, but this moment is lost. And look, Yuji Nagata is a triple crown champion who's ripe for the picking because he can get sent back to New Japan at any time. So Ashino very well could beat him. He very well could have been earmarked to win that match. I don't think that would have shocked anybody. In fact, I would have made him the betting line favorite in that match, to be completely honest. But now the moment is lost and it's gut-wrenching. It really is gut-wrenching because of this long climb for this guy. We wrote him off three weeks ago. He started off 0-2 in the tournament. And we're like, ah, well, here we go again. And they're never going to push this guy. And we sound like buffoons because he comes back and wins the whole goddamn thing. And now this. And it sucks.
1: Yeah. And, you know? and it's it's two injuries, too, because as Gerard uh coast of the Emerald flow show here on the voice wrestling podcast network points out in the No-Dope chat room. He also got hurt during the real world tag league as well. So he's had two major injuries now yeah. uh, in the course of six months. Like there's even if I, and I I'm a defender of him. I, I think they should have pushed him a long time, but you know, even if I'm all Japan, it's like, I don't know. You know, I, it, 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 I, I don't know if he's cursed or it's, it's just like, it's going to be tough to build him up again for this moment. You know what I mean? It, it all, it all kind of came together here. And he, cut, yeah. he cuts the post match promo and he's talking shit to Yuji Nagata. And I'm like, man, Yuji Nagata versus Ashino, this is going to be, this is cool as hell, man. That's a good match. And he, and he's a little bit of an asshole. Like, you know, I you know I, I don't know exactly what he's saying, but I've seen the translated stuff. He's a good little prick. He's good at it. And, and you could tell from whatever he was saying, like, Yuji Nagata had, like, a, you challenging me? Like, you want to face me? You think you're going to beat me? I'm Yuji Nagata, man. All right, you want to have it? Let's do it. And I was so excited for the match. And it's just never going to happen now. And it sucks.
0: You know, usually when you have a guy, when you're borrowing a guy from another place, it's a set amount of time. And then they got to get back because there's booking plans for them or to work certain tours in their home promotion or whatever. And you have to think that that's the case here. So someone's going to have to beat Yuji Nagata now. And, you know, from that standpoint, do do we know how long Ashino is going to be out do we, do we have it
1: an as far as I could tell it was for the foreseeable future. So he, he he fractured his left ulna, which I believe is I don't know enough about that particular. That's you know, basically your, you know, your forearm wrist basically uh, out. So I think you're in a cast for I mean, he's going to be in a cast for a, a couple of months for sure. I guess he could kind of come back it's months you know what i mean like it's not i don't know if you're going to be able to hold Yuji nagata here for you know three no, months or that's whatever three, my point. it's probably so, three to six months type of stuff may at the at the best probably three months and there's no way Yuji nagata is hanging around for three more months
0: i mean the thing about the real world tag league is people thought he was going to win that tournament too yeah so my point here is you got to beat nagata with someone and then maybe you think, all right, well, what's the next best story? Do you put it back on Suwama since it's been kind of the long-term thing with Ashino? You know, I know he just beat Suwama in the carnival. Um, I'm just trying to think out loud. I, You know, I don't, if if the plan was to get it to him, and obviously he can't beat um, Nagata now, because Nagata, you can't just hold Nagata on ice away from New Japan for that long. Uh, You need a plan B. So, and you know the way Ashino's carnival went, it's funny because knowing what we know now and that he was probably gonna beat Nagata, and you know, he lost to Manabu Soya and Yuma Anzai, and then he ran the table, right? Soya, forget that one. But it's like, well, I you know, maybe they would do a his first defense against a guy like Soya, just like a placeholder defense, someone who's never gonna beat him. But the Anzai win was interesting. Could that have been a setup. To Yuma Anzai challenging for the. Or do you think that would have been too soon. You know these are all things we'll never know now. Because of this horrible injury. So I will say this too. The show drew. 24-37. In Ota, Which is the most. That's the biggest crowd they've had in that building in years. And. They did a nice little crowd, and a lot of these carnival stops, they did some decent crowd, under-the-radar decent crowds by their standards. Osaka 2, they drew very well. They did like 850, and if you recall pre-pandemic, they would have triple crown matches in Osaka 2 and draw like 900. Like, they would always run Zeus, you know, because of his history in Osaka. So he'd always either challenge for the title or defend the title in Osaka. And they do like 900 or so. And now they're back to doing that for, you know, random carnival stops. And they just did almost 2,500 in this building. So when we talk about how all Japan has felt fresh and felt different, we're starting to see some results at the box office. So it's not just us goofy Westerners who are just, you you know, enjoying the changes versus last year. I think a lot of the stuff they're doing is catching on with fans so that's something i wanted to make sure i mentioned too you know before we moved on to big japan but um yeah you know it it's horrible and now i don't know don't know don't know what they do you know someone else is gonna beat Yuji nagata now and you know it just sucks that they got to tear up all the booking plans and it probably would have been a lot of interesting things that would have happened with this guy getting his first triple crown run
1: yeah yeah, and as a fan of his too, it's just like God. It's just man. He finally gets there, and just now nah, it's out. And, and it's uh, the match was really good too. I I, I love this match. I mean, just a lot. It started off kind of slow, but they uh, the last half of this match, like the last fifteen minutes or so, were just like high end, great work. T Hawk is 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 solid as hell at this point in his career. He's just a solid good hand. Uh, that you could put in any situation he's going to you know deliver uh, to some extent and yeah they, they worked their ass off here they told a good story and it's just and it, what sucks too is like yeah the match is going on just fine and then you know whatever the injury you know I, I I pinpointing the exact spot of the injury I know people have, have have basically figured out it's probably the last 30 seconds but like he doesn't look immediately like oh man I'm fucked I don't know what happened I don't know if it was just adrenaline or he was just trying to hide it or whatever but uh, yeah to show up the next day in an arm sling it was just like god damn how, how big of a gut Bunch, uh is, is that and, and all japan did it right they told a good story they, they they put a young guy over they were ready to move on uh to, to to something here and then yeah just you know injuries rear their ugly head so just an absolute shame but uh, uh anything else on the champion carnival finals i did not watch the rest of the show so i don't know if there's anything that you could recommend or wanted to break down real quick i only watched the champion carnival finals so uh, i can't speak to any of the other show
0: well they brought in naito which you know probably explains the big number they drew Right, the 2,500 in... Uh, couldn't hurt. In that Definitely o- couldn't that hurt. That to city gym. So he worked the semi with Bushi against Kento Miyahara and Yuma Anzai. And I, I really thought Bushi would eat a pin and they'd give Yuma Anzai a big win, but they didn't go in that direction. So, um, you know, the New Japan guys won. But... And, and it was t-shirt Naito. And it was a lot of shtick, but he worked hard by the end. And uh, it was interesting watching him interact with Kento Miyahara and Anzai. But, um, you know, just putting Anzai in that spot tells you a lot, too. So, look, I think they're going to rush Anzai through. You know, I think he's going to get a real legitimate top push probably sooner than we want or expect. Because why the fuck not?
1: At this point, yeah, I mean, you may as well. Everybody knows you know, that he's a guy. Everybody knows that you know he's a guy. You know, may as well just rip the bandaid off and just go for it.
0: And he's in all these matches that, that reek of being endorsements. You know what I mean? And it's it's uh, The other thing is the opener, which is the other match. That, look, I've been trying to tell people all year. When these New Japan Young Lions come into All Japan or these other promotions and wrestle the, the, the younger wrestlers, this one was Kosei Fujita. Uh, Rohe Oiwa, and Yuta, uh, Yuto Nakashima, who's the ugly one. And uh, they beat Oji Shiiba, uh, Ryu Inoue, and Ryuki Honda. And these New Japan Young Lions, I, I know I sound like a broken record. When they wrestle on these other shows and these other companies, they are there to show out. And they are there to represent the fucking lion mark. And they work so hard with such intensity. And... I I know this sounds like a conversation we've had before, but I really wish there was an entire promotion where everyone just wrestled like they do in these matches. It's just so good. It's so good. You get this opener with these young lions out there wanting to prove something. And this was like, there's been three or four of these matches this year on these non new Japan shows. And this was like the worst one. And it was still great. And then you sit through the rest of the card with these veterans and they don't work as hard as these Lions do. And it's like, I, I wish everyone worked with the same intensity that these guys do in these openers. It's, it's the matches are so good, I, you know? And, and I feel like they're trying to upstage the guys from the other company is what it is. I think that those competitive juices start flowing and they're like, well, no, no, no. We, we you know, we're going to be the standouts here. We're fucking New Japan. These guys are working for glorified indies. They're not showing us up. And I think that's the mindset that they go in with. And it's also a chance for them to wrestle someone that isn't each other. They're probably so tired of having these 10 minute draws against each other. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, and they get a chance to go in there and just, and, and, and open up the fucking playbook a little and do some shit that they don't normally get to do. And, um, yeah. So I would definitely recommend that match. And, uh you know, Doi defended the junior title. Again, he's freelance now. He's the All Japan Junior Champion. He beat Dan Tomorrow. That was fine. Um, Doi's had a nice year, but he's kind of, uh, the last couple of months, not really working at the level that he was earlier in the year. And um, yeah, that was the notable stuff. Um, Minoru Suzuki was back for this one, teaming with Hokuto Omori again. That's been a constant throughout the year. He's still going to, and from what I understand for most of the year, he's going to be coming in and out teaming with Omori and, and, um, you know, they beat Takeo Omori and Yuma Aoyagi. And, um, yeah, I mean, you know, it was, uh, the rest of the stuff was fine. You know, I skipped the intergender match, you know, nobody's got time for that bullshit. Um, but other than that, you know, I watched everything and every, you know, Manabu Soya versus Kono. I mean, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I got it i think i got it <laughs> th- that's a match where you can definitely slap fast forward on the fucking feed if, if if you're if you're pressed for time but uh but yeah no it was you know good for, you know they drew a really good crowd and the right guy won and you know then that bullshit happens but um anyway that's the uh carnival final
1: all right, let's uh, let's end here with Big Japan. I mean, we are a Big Japan podcast if nothing, and we've always been a Big Japan podcast from day one. Uh man, everybody listening to this, your homework for the week if you have not seen this match. And it it is, it is I'm not even going to start the show. I'm going to ask every single person listening to to they have to let me know that they took the 27 minutes and 40 seconds to watch this match. Uh it, it's it's not even it's a, it's a, it's an, You have to watch this match. Like, I don't know what else to say. Yuya Aoki, Yuji Okabayashi, Big Japan World, strong heavyweight title match, 27 minutes and 40 seconds. You have to watch. It's an order. As Sergeant Slaughter would say, that's an order. You got to watch this match. You have to. This is fucking incredible.
0: I'm going to go a step further you got to watch this whole fucking show. Rich, I have four notebook matches on this show. I'm
1: I'm watching it in the background as the show is going on, and and I don't usually like to do that. But as I've been watching, man, there's a few matches that popped up that I'm like, that's a really good match. Like, there's been a lot of good stuff. So, yeah, I I can't. I I, I now have watched the entire show. So uh, we'll talk about
0: some matches on this show. You need to watch with full attention. This show rocked. This was my favorite show of the week. This was the best of the four shows that we're reviewing here.
1: Endless Survivor, uh, by the way. Big Japan Endless Survivor is the name of the show.
0: And like I said, almost 2,000 fans in this, in this Yokohama uh, Budokan. Okay? So good for them from that standpoint. I got to tell you, there was only one bad match on this show. And this is. listen, people know I'm not a big deathmatch guy. Do did
1: you, did you watch the deathmatches too?
0: I watched the whole show. Wow. This whole show rocked. with Okay, because the there was a death
1: match that I thought was incredible, and I, I'm I'm curious if you agree with me on this on the one. Well, I, I think okay, so. Well, I think you do.
0: I will quickly take you through the two openers. There was a six man tag opener, which was perfectly fine three star opener. Then they did a death match opener, which was a barbed wire match, I think, with a bunch of guys who aren't really being pushed right now, who sometimes are pushed, like Ryuji Ito. Uh, was on the winning side. Um, it was uh Wakamatsu Ito and Takashi Sasaki versus Kankuro Hoshino, Minoru Fujita, and Yuichi Taniguchi. And that was fine. Another perfectly fine three, three and a quarter star match. Then there's a match with a bunch of names. You got Taz's favorite wrestler, Andy Wu, with Yasafumi Nakanoe and Ryota Hama, who is larger every time oh, I see him. I don't know how it's possible. He is
1: fucking gigantic. A- and and you're probably thinking, yeah, guys, he's gigantic. We know. No, I'm telling it's a different level. He's he's getting too big. He's getting that Yokozuna in like 1998 thing where you're like, I, you can't. I'm
0: scared for him. Yeah,
1: it's he, not good.
0: I wouldn't be surprised if there's horrible news on the timeline at any minute. He's just it, obscenely overweight. It's, something has to be done. Uh Daishi Ash uh Daishi Ashimoto, uh Diamanji so and Daisuke Sakamoto were on the other side. Shockingly, that was the second worst match on the show when it on paper you would think oh that's probably a good little match um tlc they called this a tlc match with uh takeda Ma- masashi takeda and takumi sukamoto against uh, Mishio kageyama and yusaka ito very good match anything with takeda at minimum is is going to be pretty good and now this this is where the business picks up on this okay part. okay okay so yeah. you're
1: you're with me on this iron cage death match right Notebook. Yes, I was. I I went for this match. Rule. This was a. These guys are flying and doing a death match at the same time. It's hard to describe, but you have to watch it. You have to.
0: Iron cage death match. They've got a fucking cage
1: in the middle of the <laughs> ring, <laughs> which they had to set up. It took a long time to set this cage up for the record, but it, it' well
0: worth it. Well worth it. They're 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 locking each other in the cage. They're diving off the cage. I don't know the rules. Listen. I don't speak Japanese. I don't know what's happening here, except what's happening is awesome. That's what's happening in this match. Guys are flying around. They're flying off the cage. They're locking each other in the cage. It's a uh, Yankee 2 Kenju, which is Asami Kodaka and Yuko Miyamoto. I, You know, these guys cross my radar a half a dozen times a year and they never let me down. It, they've been a quality tag team for what? fucking forever it's now. been a, yeah it
1: has certainly been a while and yeah those guys are are they're they're remind me of uh funori abe where it's like every time i watch them i'm like i like these guys why don't i just watch them more like every time i watch them i enjoy them i should just watch them more i i they you know come why? to the ring and i'm like okay
0: you're never gonna pay for core that's why you don't watch them. but yeah that's true That's okay. what it comes down to okay so the opponents here were kazumi kakuda and uh, uh yuki ishikawa can i sit here and tell you i'm intimately familiar with these men i'm not but this match fucking rocked, and I'm with you. I went four stars flat, and um, you know, and and I went into it thinking I was just enduring this shit until I got to the main event. But as this card's moving along, I'm like, I think I really like this fucking card. And then the junior title match is next, and it's uh, Kota uh, Sekafuda defending against Kaiji Tomato, and I don't like Kaiji Tomato. I think he's a little fucking dork, and he annoys me with his stupid pom poms. <laughs> he's very much. Not a Joe Lanza wrestler. I mean, that people can see pretty I mean, he's got those dopey tomato pom poms. He does his stupid little cheerleader dance. Oh,
1: during the pandemic, you were a kaiji tomato guy. I mean, you had to be had there was those, nobody else. He, he had but. those
0: he had those good matches in 2AW. I'm not but like his persona and everything, I don't like the guy. Okay, he's annoying. Like I want Stan Hansen. I don't want a guy out there with pom- with tomato pom poms. But but in all caps, this match fucking rocked.
1: God, this match was and good. He, How good was this match?
0: Yeah, it, it fucking rocks. You know, it's like I don't like this guy, but then he has good matches, and but but at the same time, then he has matches that I'm given like negative two stars because he works soft as a feather and he does too much stick. But when this guy, I mean, this ruled this match and these guys are tag partners
1: usually and i think that may have played into it too because they were a little more stiff and a little bit more and and that's all wrestlers will always tell you that with your friends you're always a little more stiff and always a little bit more snug because you know they can take it you know they'll be cool with it or whatever uh type of thing and yeah these guys it was just this was snug you know what i mean and and i know what you're talking about with kaiji tomato and sometimes he does work you know light as a feather whatever but uh yeah these two guys went out there and they they had a pretty hard hitting match and and Uh, A good one too. Almost twenty minutes. It 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 did seem to. It it seemed like it went by a lot quicker than twenty minutes. It was seventeen minutes and thirty two seconds. But uh, yeah, really, really good. I I just under notebook for me. I went. I went three and a half with that one. But uh, yeah, no, that's a a match to definitely, definitely check out if you got a chance.
0: Very dramatic down the stretch. I liked it a shade better than the Iron Cage Death Match. Um. And that brought us into the tag team title match, which was undisputably a great match. Astronauts always deliver. Fumari mm-hmm. Abe, Takuya Nomura. All Japan made a play. They tried to steal Nomura. didn't work out. Um, they defended the titles here against Hiroyuki Suzuki and Tukuho Kato, And this fucking rocked. I went four and a quarter on this. It was one of the best matches I saw all week, even on with all these four big shows. Um, and, and as I said, astronauts always deliver. You know they're 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 just similar to Yankee Two Kenju, but they're even better. They're a better team than oh, Kodaka yeah, yeah. and Miyamoto. And you know, and and you know, this is great. I mean, I I couldn't even kill you if you thought this was almost as good as the main. Um, you know, it, it, impossible. You know, so impossible. <laughs> it's it's it's. I would say if you're gonna go out of your way to watch the main event, you may as well at minimum at least watch this tag match too, because there's no way you won't enjoy it. I mean, it's just uh kick-ass tag team wrestling. And I know we're short on time. The, 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 uh, then they did the death match title match, which was Abdullah Kobayashi and Hideyoshi Kimitani. And I thought this fucking sucked and it was by far the worst match in the show. Yeah. I hate and this.
1: I thought this was bad and slow and just, yeah, just terrible. Really? And Kobayashi is he, fucking brutal. It, it's what are we doing?
0: He's, he's impossible to watch. He stinks. It's, uh. And if people think it's just because I don't like deathmatch, need I remind you? Iron I cage deathmatch.
1: People... Death
0: well, yeah, no, forget just 10 minutes ago. But I have to remind people here that I gave that Hideyoshi Kamatani versus Ryuji Ito match from January four and a quarter stars. And we talked about it on this show. So it's not like if, because remember, Kamatani... Had two matches in three days. He had the strong title match against Yuji Yokobayashi on the second, which rocked. And then he came right back with the uh, with the death match title match two days later against right, Ito, right, that right. rocked too. Right, he's one of those guys and- like
1: Takeda who's a good wrestler that does death matches. Type of yeah. thing, as opposed to just being a death match guy, and that's a Alex Colon I, I put in, in in a similar category. But Takeda is like the guy that you look at. Where I uh, Kodoka, you could you could put in too. You know, th- those are guys that are just actual good wrestlers that happen to do death matches.
0: Yeah. So this isn't just my deathmatch bias. This match fucking sucked.
1: It's okay, slow it's as just- hell. The spots, were, I mean, even the build up to the the big death spots and explosions were just long and convoluted. And yeah, it, it, Kobayashi is fucking brutal. He he's he's terrible.
0: Yeah. And um, so, uh, yeah. And that brings us to the main event. Which, oh, I mean, oh my God. and again, Yuya Aoki, they're giving a new guy a shot here and it follows the trend of the week in Japan. And look, it, the only thing stopping this from being a serious contender in our poll at the end of the year for t- a top 10 match is exposure. Because not enough people are going to see it. Yeah,
1: I'm going to try but, it. I'm going to try my best by demanding all of you go and find this. And and uh, there's some people in the Noto chat room who says, well, how can I watch uh, Big Japan? And it's like, you can subscribe to Core, but yeah, a little bit of work, a little bit of search, and you, you can find Big Japan if you need to.
0: You can find this match if you need to. Yes, this match
1: specifically will be will be able to be found.
0: Just slip into some DMs and figure it out, okay? Just, just fucking figure it out. Just, or just... It, how much is core? Buy a month of core. I
1: mean, what, what's <laughs> right? Good? Yeah, they need it. Honestly, they they're raising money for their bus, so they could probably use it.
0: You know what? And honestly, they deserve it because they've been pretty good all year, and this show rocked. You know that this show really did fucking rock from top to bottom, and uh, I thought it was the best show of the week in a packed week, and this match, and Aoki, you know, Okabayashi is still top form. Sekamoto. Is clearly on the downside. He's not the same wrestler he used to be. Okabayashi is is still the same guy. Um, He had the draw with Sakamoto last month. And I haven't gotten to that match yet. But I'm told it's eh. Which doesn't surprise me. Because they had a match last year. Which was kind of eh. They played the hits. But Sakamoto just isn't that guy anymore. But Okabayashi is. And this Yuya Aoki. He don't look the part of a world champion. He's a pudgy little guy. Um, You know, he doesn't have overwhelming charisma, but holy shit, was he great in this match. And it was dramatic and it was hard hitting. And I love that spot where Okobayashi went for the top rope splash and Aoki got those knees up. And you've seen that spot 10,000 times. The way Aoki sold it, sold the knee damage from this, fucking gigantic yeah much man larger guy yeah he,
1: it's one of those ones where he said ah this will be a good idea and then he did it and goes oh that was not a good idea i should not have done he that he saved
0: himself <laughs> but he sacrificed his body part you yeah. know and it's like his selling was so good and the drama was oh he's was he, he's his mouth his
1: uh, the blood is pouring from his mouth because okabayashi is just beating the living shit he's out of him
0: battering him <laughs> because it is big japan strong I mean, you know, it's still that same fucking vibe. That BJ Strong,
1: been. BJ Strong, baby.
0: And, yeah, man, strong BJ and, or strong uh, BJ. You know, on, sorry. Well, strong BJ was the tag team, and you know, it's uh, yeah. Anyway, people get the idea, uh, and you know, and and then I I watched it unspoiled, so it's like that added to it for me because it's like I never thought this guy would win, and and he won, and you know, fuck if I'm not gonna seek out his title challenges. I mean, for I, sure his uh, title defenses, and it's like you know, New Japan, Big Japan for a while wasn't on our radar in between, you know, pandemic it certainly was because they were one of the only places running, you know, and, and we got enough Daishi Hashimoto during the pandemic to fucking... <laughs> Last
1: you know. us forever. I know. But,
0: a but lot then of, right? they just kind of faded away because they weren't hot and they weren't doing anything special and you know, the yearly Okabayashi-Sekimoto match, you'd go, okay, for old time's sake, I'll pop that one on. But other than that, uh, and uh maybe an astronaut tag here or there, but like, you know this is uh exciting for them. They drew a nice house. they've got a new world champion and um you know the, the crowd popped big for it and the show looked big time. The show looked big time in that building and and there was actually fans in the building yeah, they and- lit it
1: well. The fans sounded good it it, it yeah it, it looked like a and there was some real dire big japan shows I, I remember watching as well. so credit to them for 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 getting out of that where it really felt like. I mean, was pretty sure we were going to do a "Hey, Big Japan has died." You know, here's memories of the company type of thing. It looked like they were getting pretty close to that. So to see them, you know, see it through and and, and be where they're at now and 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 have a show like this that you know is being well received everywhere that you're seeing and a match that's being as well received. I know Dave Meltzer talked uh, about he had watched it uh, a couple of days ago as well. So that should hopefully help it a little bit, and I'll, I'll try to help it as well because uh, this is a match that needs to be seen. If you're a uh, a a wrestling fan of any level I I think 2023 you you should not end your year not having seen this match it, it, it was it that good
0: if you're like a person who likes to track match of the year and things like that this match is essential you cannot you have to find this match you, you just have to watch it you have to it's like when Rich tells me there's a Joshi match that okay this one you have to watch like I'm telling you guys who don't pay attention to Big Japan if you're serious about watching all the best stuff in a given year, you cannot skip this match. You have to watch it. That's all there is to it. I went four and three quarters on this.
1: Yeah, I'm four and three quarters, too. A little, little, little five-star fear there, but uh, that's fine. Four and three quarters is still a fucking tremendous, tremendous match, and and and, and yeah, just the emotion of it, too, was, was, was great, because, you know, I... I I watched it unspoiled as well, which helped a lot. I I think like, so I watched it later and I guess I I forgot who won. You know what I mean? It was like, I I went in unspoiled in the sense that like, I think I knew who won, but then halfway through, I was like, wait a minute, I I don't know if I know who wins this match, which is good. That's fine. Good. I don't even want to look it up. I'm good. And when, when Aoki took, one of the hardest lariats you will ever see, like like Stan Hansen-esque, top-of-the-forehead lariat. He just plummets to the ground. His mouth is filled with blood. Okabayashi like, goes over to pin him, and he kicks out at one, and the crowd just explodes. And I'm expl- – I mean, just god damn, was that so good. Just, yeah, it, it's it's a match that demands to be seen. I mean, just perfect structure, like you said. Well-booked, well-worked. Uh, both guys delivered big. The crowd's hot. It's It's – you, you got to watch it. You just have to. You just have to.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Great match. I think, uh, you know, I do that um, notebook roundup article, which by the way, the April edition will be coming out. I I watched triple mania today. So I knocked that off. I've still got to watch the impact. uh, What was that called? Revolution, whatever their last pay-per-view was called. I still have to watch that. And there's a couple indie matches I want to get in from April. And then that'll be wrapped up in the next day or two. And then I'll have the article out. $10 Ten dollar tier, the the because people have enjoyed those, so I'm gonna keep them going. The April notebook roundup, uh, I, I give myself a self-imposed deadline of the 15th of the following month to get it out. Today's the 11th, so I'll have that out sometime over the weekend. Um, but what I was gonna say was, when I get around to doing May, you know, next month, there's a good chance this is gonna be the number one match of May. Oh, it's I gonna mean, be hard I, to beat.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I it's I... gonna
0: be really hard to beat. Double now, or nothing, now, obviously, double or nothing coming. Is yeah, 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 right, right. So that's where you put, because I don't know, we don't know the double or nothing card. Something on double or nothing is probably going to be the only thing that has a shot because the Super Junior Tour is fun, but nothing really peaks that high until the final. So I don't expect any Super Junior matches to hit this level.
1: Did you like this better than Mox and uh, Omega in the cage?
0: Uh, It's close, but I went four and a half plus on the cage match. And I went four and three quarters, which is essentially the same fucking rating. It's just it makes you feel better. It makes you feel better. Me. Yeah. So I think they're about equal. Yeah, they're, they're very different because one's a traditional world title match. And the other is a, a bloodbath in a cage with a great angle. You know what I mean? So it's like very different. So it, it, I, I don't know. I'm going to be a coward and not give you an answer. I rated this match higher. Yeah,
1: I guess so i also have to decide when you when you sit down and write it out. You'll just have to decide then. And and it's, hey, it's a yeah. good it's a good problem to have. I'll say that good problem to have. The 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 very idea that you're going to sit down and think of is 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 John Moxley versus Kenny Omega in a cage match, or you know, insert double or nothing match, or Big Japan, you know, Okabayashi versus Aoki. Like the fact that that's even in the mix is pretty fucking cool. So. Good, good on Big Japan, uh, and and yeah, having watched through this entire show, I do want to watch some of the matches over again when I, uh, I'm able to actually listen to them uh, and, and give my full attention. But uh, looks like a hell of a show. So I, I we got we talked about this in January. I think we're gonna have to stick with Big Japan this year.
0: They're having a good year. Yeah,
1: we can we it, can't ignore them this year.
0: The problem is access. That's all. Um, you know that that's that's the only issue. It's kind of when they rolled out Core a few years ago that that kind of killed a lot of big Japan's buzz. Cause a lot of people just weren't willing to pay for it. You know, big Japan before the advent before new Japan world. And then everybody followed the leader and rolled out their own. And we were in the world of, of uploads and everything. Big Japan was far more prominent because it was more accessible core really hurt them in that regard. Now, I'm sure they don't give a shit because they're, you know...
1: They'd rather make money as opposed to a bunch of people pirating all their shit. Watch it for free. (laughs) Right, right.
0: But I think of all the companies that have rolled out streamers, it's hurt their visibility. In the West, I mean. I don't know what's going on in Japan. I can't speak for Japan. But for the Western wrestling fan, I think Big Japan was the easiest one for people to say, it's on the I-don't-watch-it-anymore pile once Core rolled out. So, but... Anything I've seen this year has been good, whereas the last couple of years, it's like I would dabble, and it's like, ah, eh, I, I, there was a reason I wasn't watching this. You know what I mean?
1: All right, so that is Big Japan, and that is the Flagship Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening, of course. Thank you guys so much for your support. Uh, everything we do here at uh, the flagship podcast, as well as flagshippatreon. dot com, dot com slash voice the wrestling, voicesofwrestling. dot com slash Patreon. As we mentioned, we have the instant reaction live uh, for last night's dynamite. That is up on the ten dollar tier uh, at flagshippatreon. dot com. A brand new episode of Sky's the Limits, my uh, cruiserweight classic retrospective series, coming very soon. Uh, plenty of other stuff up there as well, and of course. It's a great month to subscribe because at the end of the May, you're going to get an instant reaction live for AEW Double or Nothing. That is our one and only time that we're going to review all of Double or Nothing. You can listen live, and it's always a real fun atmosphere uh, after pay-per-views. The, the chat room is always lively. There's always a ton of people in there talking about wrestling and discussing the show. So uh, good or bad, it's always always a fun time uh, for the instant reaction live. So yeah, we'll do that in uh, the end of May for double or nothing of course voices of wrestling.com for previews reviews columns the voice wrestling podcast network makes you subscribe on your podcast app of choice and uh that is it for us so that is joe i am rich we will talk to you next time on the flagship podcast take care